Hello, Play the Game family. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Lone Wolf Paintball. They are an amazing online supplier and have been around since the beginning of the game as Michigan's premier paintball field and paintball supplier since 1987. They are rapidly expanding into the online retail space and supplying everything you need to be the best paintball player you can be. They have got it all. Head over to LoneWolfPaintball.com and shop all of your favorite brands. And they also boast amazing customer service and will have this out to you with same-day shipping, which is amazing. It's always nice to know that your stuff is on its way immediately so you can start to use it that very next weekend of play. Check out their YouTube, Lone Wolf Paintball, and their Instagram, at LoneWolfPB, and stay up to date with all of their deals and sales. Play the Game podcast is immensely honored to have them on board, and we cannot wait for you guys to check out LoneWolfPaintball.com and become a part of their community. This episode is brought to you by the one and only G2 Paintball. If you are in Arizona or on the West Coast and soon to be nationally, be on the lookout for G2 training dates and be sure to sign up. They are a paintball athletics company designed to help you become the best paintball athlete imaginable by running you through all of the different moves and techniques that you need to know and you're going to be implementing on the paintball field. So that way when you get into the situations, the muscle memory is dialed in. You are also going to learn skills. You're going to learn tactics and of course the agility which is training to maximize your performance on and off the field this stuff is used by myself and Marcelo and we're pushing paintball players to become pro or just dominate in your division don't make excuses out there physical fitness is at an all-time high in paintball and you cannot win paintball tournaments unless you are ready to go physically on Sunday when you're dead tired and you're ready to hold up that trophy with your friends and family so you got to be prepared and G2 will help you do that head on over to g2paintball.com also check out their instagram at g2paintball and give our man victor gamboa at gamboa limited that's his instagram a follow and support him as well it's owned and operated by victor and rusty and they're doing tremendous things in the sport we absolutely love g2 and we cannot wait for you to get involved so have some fun with g2 paintball Today's episode of PTG is brought to you by Transfuse, the amazing premium rapid hydration multiplier and immunity fortifying formula that is scientifically designed to replenish you at the cellular level. And they use all natural ingredients in their products. It is packed full of zinc, vitamin B6, vitamin C, sodium, potassium, and choline. And when you take this product, you are going to feel the difference on and off the field. I know that playing paintball with Transfuse has been a game changer and it will be for you as well. If you head over to translabs.com, that's T-R-A-N-Z-L-A-B-S.com and use code PLAYTHEGAME, you will get 10% off. And if you subscribe to a monthly delivery service, you get an additional 10% off. So you can take advantage of a total of 20% off on these amazing products. Also head over to their Instagram, at transfuse.official, and check them out. And be on the lookout for their new flavors and brain booster nootropics that are coming soon. We absolutely love Transfuse from top to bottom, one of the best companies in the world with the greatest people running it. So head on over and become a part of their community and check them out. Yo, yo, PTG fam. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. This episode, we have Adam Gardner, the founder of Smart Parts, uh, a legend in the game, 
the owner of GOG uh, and DLX. Adam has been an integral part of paintball for many, many years and has such valuable insight to the game. PTG listeners, this is the last episode before Christmas, so we won't see you until after the holidays. We wish you guys the very best, and we hope you enjoy the show. That was an insane inside move by Marcelo Margot. Great communication. And the crowd starts chanting, Harmon. Great, great shot by all the guys. So Tyler Harmon saved that game. Came out with two wins. Marcelo Margot was on fire. All right, PTG Nation, we have the tremendous honor of having Adam Gardner on the show, one of the most innovative paintball players to ever play this game and an absolute legend in the lineage of paintball. It's a tremendous honor to have you on PTG. How's it going, Adam? Uh, Doing great. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, man, the uh, the honor is definitely all ours. And uh, man, just real quick, uh, you're you're tuning in from where you're tuning in from. For everybody that's listening, you guys are going to want to check out the YouTube. Adam was uh, kind of giving us a little tour uh, pre-show, but um, why don't you let the listeners know where you're tuning in from? What's going on back there? Uh, we're we're at the Gog headquarters in Latrobe, PA. So this is our our offices here. I'll share a little peek of it throughout the show. Nice. And, awesome. uh, you know, it's kind of a neat setup. We've been here for years, so many people yeah. have been here for our tech classes and stuff like that. Same old building. Yeah. So, so you got some trophies there. What do we got there in the in the background there? That is, if, if for those of you who remember Big Green, the truck we used to drive around the country in, it was like a yeah three three row uh, dually uh, Centurion crew cab, and uh, we fit the whole team in there and drive in the country, jump out with our All-American jackets and <laughs> if we want, we'd stick a, another sticker on the back of the truck and yep. try to escape with our tires fully inflated. <laughs> and uh, that was, that's kind of the, what we had in the, what it looked like from behind. Tui yeah. Barber, if you remember uh, Tui. Yes, I do. He did a lot of the logos and stickers and he put them on there for us. So when we redid our offices here, we, recreated that to show some of the history absolutely love it and it even has the lights on it like as if it's like a big rig driving down the road which is pretty cool yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) for the youtube definitely head over and check that out that is so cool yeah no uh no hesitation only domination is what it says first place finishes yeah the the all-americans man what a legendary organization yeah, we ran out of room. This only went to like O2, but we uh, yeah, we we ran out of room on the back. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, the All-Americans, you guys <laughs> were a part of the big three, which was obviously the All-A's. Uh, you had Shock and then Ironman. And this was in, you know, the early days there where you guys were just duking it out just about every event. Yeah. <laughs> we had some good rivalries there. Those, uh, I mean, certainly it was one of those three almost every time. So. Yeah. And you said you try to make it out with your tires intact. So it, I could definitely tell there was some rivalry out there. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't <laughs> always the fun part, but uh, yeah, yeah, it probably happened half a dozen times. Oh a couple my gosh. times they got caught. Most times they didn't. The problem is there's so many tires on that truck that, you know, they wouldn't just get one. You know, oh, we'd be geez. in Charlie's eating our World Cup steak, you know, victory dinner and come out and have like, 10 tires cut 
Oh so. my gosh, that's crazy! Yeah, shout yeah. out to Charlie's. He knows. Yeah, see, he yeah, knows. That's right. <laughs> it's where it all started. Shout- yeah, exactly. Shout out to Charlie's, dude. Going to Charlie's Steakhouse has been, you know, if you win World Cup, that's been been the thing for as long as I think paintball's been in Orlando. <laughs> that's right. You got to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't like the bill afterwards, but it was yeah. always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we what? racked up uh, quite a bill this last year. Yeah. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every time. <laughs> what's your go-to meal at Charlie's? What's the, what's the winner out there? You know, I like the filet. I can't, oh, yeah. I, I can't eat a huge one, so I'm good mm-hmm. with a yeah, decent-sized filet. That's what that's so. been my move too. I definitely run with the filet. It's outstanding, top notch. Got to add a little lobster tail, you know. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. get some of the seafood tower. Get some of the the crab action. You know, all mm-hmm. the little sides, creamed spinach. <laughs> they, they if I do all that, I won't finish my filet. So I got to be really <laughs> careful with the appetizers. Uh huh. Yeah. Because you know, they have some pretty good desserts there too. Yes, they do. I don't think and I've then, gotten dessert. I think by then I'm usually too too stuffed on all the appetizers, the filet, the lobster. Yeah. You gotta plan it all out. You do. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's a go to dessert? Uh I like cheesecake, but you know, mm. it depends. They got a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. So been a while since I've been at a Charlie's Victory dinner. So I still go there. It's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you I see you got these uh trophies down to your right there. Are those from some of those early wins as well? Yeah, we've got a lot of them here. There we go. Uh, awesome. You know, we, we've got um, NPPL Chicago's. There were a lot of Chicago's, um, mm-hmm. you know, lots of five-man stuff. There's our original uh, All-American awesome. jacket. That's a YouTube. sweet jacket. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, wow. then here's our uh, our NXL ones, which I think, Tyler, you probably played against us in, yeah. in one of these. Yeah, so, in those early days. Dang. And then uh, early World Cup 94. Wow. And uh, this one, it would look a lot better, but uh, you guys know Chuck Hench, right? Yeah, of course. Chuck. Yeah, good old Chuck. He uh, he wanted to borrow our 94 and 96 World Cup trophies for an RP Shearer photo shoot. So we sent them down, and then he sent them back in one box with no bubble wrap or anything. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> Yeah, so we had uh, a trophy that's all scuffed up and about 20 pieces on the other one. So I was not happy. Yeah. That was not very nice. I know. You worked hard for those. Yeah, you know, good old Chuck. I think he thought that part through. You you know what's so funny is I ran into Chuck. We were going to, uh, I, I was going to a paintball tournament. I forget where it was. We were in some airport, but he was going to a surf competition. This was maybe three years ago, something like that. Saw him in there. I was like, oh man, Chuck looks the same. Still looks great. You know, (laughs) it's funny. And I do want to add for everybody who's tuning in, um, Adam is the original founder of Smart Parts and now obviously DLX technologies and everything that that entails. And you guys have just absolutely hit so (laughs) many home runs when it comes to innovation and, and creativity within the paintball landscape. I don't even know how I, many. I do want to add, sorry to over talk, uh-huh. but I got to have my brother as well. My brother actually started it and yeah. then I joined him about two years later. He's a couple years older than me. So and that's, yeah. here as well. 
Billy. Yeah, Billy Gardner. And you guys have been going at it for quite some time, creating a ton of amazing paintball products. I was going to say, I don't even know how many patents that you guys have on products and you know how many different things that you guys have created. But um, how did that journey all start for you guys? You know, it really started uh, with my brother who um, he kind of did the non-traditional route. He went to college um, at Worcester in Ohio and then got his MBA down in Atlanta at Emory. And um, he knew he wanted to have his own business. So after getting his MBA, he actually went to Votechnical School to learn machining, which nobody ever does. And uh, the teacher is like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I want to make my own paintball gun. So he went through the course and and learned how to do that. I was uh, busy getting my MBA in marketing and finance at Pitt. And uh, mm. so I do some uh, study, you know, market surveys for him, some marketing strategies and stuff. And his first gun was called the Boss. It was a pump the gun. Boss. I actually have, <laughs> yeah, I actually have one of them here. No way. For the YouTube. Yeah, we, we you do not want to miss this. Whoa. Cool stuff here. So this was this was the boss. There it is. Down. We actually played Chicago with it. I think we got like a fourth place with it. But um boss. You know, but we made like every single part by hand on his machines and assembled and realized that kind of stunk. Wow. Um you know, did real well with it. Well, it's not going back up there right now. <laughs> but yeah. uh the boss is with and us. Then, uh, and then he came up with a rifle barrel, and that's really what uh you know, put smart parts on the map, the first ported barrel. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was the combination of having the team and trying to, you know, you remember the equipment in the early days. I mean, if we're like, mm-hmm. if we could only hit what we're aiming at, we'd be so much better. Yeah. And so we tried to innovate for ourselves. And then whenever we found stuff that worked and we did well, people wanted to buy it. So, you know, so that's back how it in all the day started. When you, yeah. When you placed an ad and like, as soon as it hit, the phone started ringing. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> so the wow. printed magazine, those days are kind of over. But yep. yeah, yeah. Now, you, now you pay for an ad on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it goes out to the digital yeah. world, straight yep. to the masses. So hold on. I'm, I'm sorry, Adam, did, did you say that you guys made the first ported barrel? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had no clue. What year was that? That was, all, that was my brother. That was 89, 90. Wow. So. My goodness. Yeah, Amazing. yeah, that's so huge innovation that right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went down to the Masters and had a booth, and and uh, my dad was still alive at the time, and he was selling. It's funny because I actually had this happen to me at Chicago ICPL this year. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy came up and asked me how my dad was doing, and I gave him this weird look, like, "Do you mean my dad or my brother?" He's like, yeah. well, "Bill, you know Billy," mm-hmm. and I'm like. Yeah, no, that's my brother. He's three and a half years old than me. But yeah. for some reason, for 30 years, everyone thinks Billy's my dad, even when we were playing. It's probably because he had like gray hair. And now, you know, now he's bald and I have gray hair. But, you know, I yeah. was like 18 and he was 22. And people think he's my dad. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, still today, I was, his mind was blown. He's like, that's no way. He's not your dad? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> so. everyone used to think that my brother was my dad and my dad was my grandpa um, oh, yeah. but rightfully so my brother is uh 
Oh gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm 31. He's like 57, 58, something like that now, you know, my, my, yeah, my dad was old. So a big gap. So I understood that, but, uh, it was, I was like, no, that's my brother and my dad, you know, <laughs> not my dad yeah. and grandpa. People, people can, couldn't wrap their brains around it. What a cool so thing to, to do with your making, family. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. My mom, I mean, my parents had, had their own business. We come from generations of people who had have been entrepreneurs and ran their own business. My mom was a chemical engineer. Um, she helped develop wow. a, a, actually had patents on uh, smoke-free foam that DuPont said it couldn't be done. And she formulated um, the foam mattresses where uh, they put them in prisons and naval ships and trains uh, so that, you know, the fire wouldn't kill the whole cell block and, yeah. and uh, eventually sold their company to a public company and did real well with it. Um, my wow. dad was a lawyer and he just loved business. So. You know, but my grandparents on both sides, the, the same thing. So for probably 100 to 150 years, it's all been uh, people, entrepreneurs who had their own businesses. So kind of yeah. didn't know any other way of, of yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> doing stuff. That was the path for sure. And um, absolutely, you got the innovation bug um, like I said, do you have any idea how many patents you guys have or how how many ideas that you guys have come up with in this game? Yeah, we we have a lot. I mean, you know, it's yeah. we're I'm not the the main uh designer guy, really. That's my my brother's the best at that. I mean, he's mm-hmm. always you know, he comes up with a lot of ideas. I I would say half of them are horrible, but you know, every one or two of them are just genius, you know, yeah. and, and that's how it works. And he's, he's always tinkering. I mean, it doesn't matter what he's doing. He likes to think of different ways of doing stuff. You know, he he's, does course. a lot of golf now and he wanted to restart his game. So he bought left-handed clubs and tried to do that. And he was terrible at it, but, you know, it's just the type of stuff and he'd bend them. And now he actually, he does all right. But yeah, that's just the way he, he thinks of things. Nobody else would go. Yeah try to erase their swing by changing hands when they're not left-handed. You know, it's hard enough. <laughs> that seems pretty wild. I can yeah. hardly hit it with my, hit the golf ball with my right hand. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's not going to cross my mind to go and try left hand, but Hey, maybe that's the key. Actually, yeah. maybe, maybe I need to give that a shot. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a lot. It's, we have fun with it. You know, I mean, we're, we're, mm. you know, a lot of the guys here for years, I mean, we've all been paintball players. You know, that was, that's one of the things that set us, apart from some of the companies earlier in the day, you know, we were, we were a team and players, you know, first, but we also had the business side of it. And a lot of, you know, the other companies at the time really didn't have the, the paintball players. They were all the business side and it, it mm-hmm. set us apart. I mean, there are certainly ones that, that came around around our time as, as, and, and, you know, played and, and started their own uh, as well. But, you know, that was a big difference between like the air gun designs and the, you know, the butt oars and some of the other ones. I mean, we were a competitive team, Perlmutter with PMI and, and all those guys. A lot of the bigger companies, you know, really weren't player based to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys had that first so, inside look essentially at, at what you wanted, you know, to field with. Yeah. And I mean, you look at Dave, I mean, he started uh would die started doing mm-hmm. stuff Rennick, i mean he didn't manufacture like that but you know bob long did and you know yeah. a, a lot of the, the early guys kind of 
you know, went in the same direction, which was pretty neat. But that also made for the rivalries that we had because we weren't just competing on the field. We were competing in the <laughs> business and competing at, you know, pretty much every, every, every day of our lives. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it made it even more of an intense rivalry than it mm -hmm. might have been, you know, today where it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. I, I I guess that that probably would have fueled the Ironman and, and All-Americans rivalry, right? Because it's also the companies behind them. You guys have a longstanding rivalry on the field. That's uh, That is interesting there. <clears throat> yeah, and that's probably one of the reasons why. I mean, there was a lot of you know, there wasn't a lot of team player switching back then. I mean, it happened, but not, you know, the same way. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, you look at Bob's early guys. I mean, you know, a lot of them never played anywhere else and same for the all A's. And I'd say same for most of the early shock guys, you know, yeah, they all live and die, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, very tribal. Yeah. Other than Daryl, who's got an Ironman tattoo on his ankle and played. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right yeah he's got that big ironman tattoo right there on his, on his calf or is it his ankle or his calf i think it's calf <laughs> his calf yeah that's, that's it's all one awesome. thing now shout out to dale trent we gotta <laughs> we gotta get him on the show too yeah it's all <laughs> yes we do <laughs> uh, he's such a legend too man daryl and that was a huge move at that time when daryl when daryl made that move yeah well, it was so. yeah that was breaking news for you know that era in paintball. And uh, you guys, as the All-Americans, were one of the first really professionally run organizations with the way that you guys had, you guys did trades from what I understand. And, you know, you had the uh, the team house, you had a bunch of things that really made that organization something truly professional. And it was the first of its kind, essentially, when that when that was going on. Yeah, a lot of that was with Philly. Um, when, yeah. it, you know, kind of the, when it became Philly Americans, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, we had a number of the guys who worked for us and, um, but we had the all American paintball park was an awesome training facility. Um, you know, we could play year round and, uh, I got sick of paying for hotel rooms every other weekend. So I, you know, bought a local house. I'm glad I didn't know everything that went on there. <laughs> but, uh, Sounds like a liability. Yeah, yeah, it would have, yeah. It was, it was. I there are a lot of people who had a lot of fun in that house, and they had some amazing parties. It's funny because I I sold the house, and you know after all the guys had moved out, and there was this, I think it was a uh, Virgin Mary statue or whatever. It was probably you know two feet high. I didn't know where it came from. It was just always in the house, and we put it at the front door and kind of prop the door over. And within five minutes, the neighbor comes over. He's like, um, my wife says that looks like a lot, a lot like the Virgin Mary statue we had in our garden about eight years ago. And do you think that might be ours? <laughs> and I, apparently there was one of those parties and there was a bet and someone went across and, Grab the stat. Who steals a bird? Oh, no. Yeah, not, not <laughs> like, her. This is the worst car. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, please take it. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. 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 Just, just, yeah. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that house was, I mean, iconic. And like I said, it was the first of 
of that type of really professional run organization where you guys had, like you said, the park, you had the team house and, and you really treated it like a pro run organization should. Yeah, really with, with the, with X ball, I mean, you know, I would say there, there's always ups and downs in a team and history that as, as the game changes and you, you know, you have to be able to adapt. And I would say that, you know, X ball really kicked us back into, you know, I'd say from a period of decline to right back in the game, because, you know, I think with the, with air ball and the way the game had evolved, um, you know, we'd always do real well, but you try playing shock at a world cup when there's 14 year old boy scouts raffing and the mm-hmm. big lumberjacks look at them and, you know, the kid says you're out and they say, I will kill you. <laughs> and the kid would run over to our side of the field scared to death, you know? And so it became really difficult, um, you know, for us and X-Ball changed everything because it became a game of, um, organization and like strategy, a whole bunch more refs and instant penalties and all of those things. And it, it kind of kicked back into the skill set we had. And, um, you know, obviously the first two seasons we did, you know, we did great when we weren't, you know, we're, we'd still win events here and there, but it wasn't, you know, like we were a couple years earlier where we were really dominating. It, It was a time where, you know, it was, it was, perfect timing for us to, you know, jump right back to the top, mm-hmm. you know, everything that, goes in cycles. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that was around like Oh four in that. A little that bit month? before that. Oh three, Oh four. I actually yeah. have them right there. You know, you, you remember that. Yeah. Tyler, yep. you, you absolutely. The finals. <laughs> yeah. Um, the but, you know, oh, yeah. Oh four. And it probably would have been, uh, the end of Oh two. Um, did Dynasty win the World Cup in 02, Airball? 2001. Okay. 2001. Because I, I remember going from Airball where we didn't do that great, and then we played the first exhibition match there. And I think we I think we went out and beat Dynasty in that, and we were like, wow, this is, mm. you know, pretty cool. And then the next year was probably that um, at the amateur, they did the big 25-minute thing with – I think yeah. it was Russians and someone else. And then it was probably 03, the NXL started. So it probably was 2001 at the end of that one when, when they did the first X-Ball match yeah. after Cup. What was it like being in that era, part of those conversations? You know, X-Ball's a new format on the scene, getting the TV deals. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that as well with the, you know, the Smart Parts uh, event that you had that was televised. What was it like in that era of, of realizing that the sport was getting this kind of traction? Well, I mean, for me personally, I, th- I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was great in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, in... I felt there needed to be a change. I mean, we, you know, I'll step back. I mean, in the early days, you had the tournament promoters, you know, the lively series and stuff like that. And then Jerry Braun started doing his, his stuff. And, you know, it got to the point, remember the, the early NPPL was done by the players and the teams mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I was at those meetings. Uh, that was uh, I'm trying to think of the exact date of that. It's probably on here somewhere, but, um, it got to the point where the players wanted more. They wanted a better event. They want better refereeing and, you know, 
bring your own paint and, you know, prize money and things like that. And that's how the NPBL started originally. And that worked pretty well. I mean, you know, I, I feel that an event is kind of only as good as its referees. Um, and that's still true today. Um, if the referees are terrible, teams are going to start pushing the boundary and, you know, you get, you get into that thing where you either, you know, do it or you lose. And it, 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 it changes the, the true competition. And, and, um, but prior to X-Ball, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I mean, there were events like Boston where, you know, the famous uh, Mikey Bruno out of bounds, <laughs> you know, yeah, burning our camo from our booth, wearing it, going out of bounds, coming behind us. I mean, there was some, it was getting pretty extreme in the things that were happening. And uh, I always heard that was know, like a folklore, like a, like an ancient myth, but talk to me about that. Is that actually what um, happened? <laughs> Mike, you haven't had Mikey on here. Yeah, now they uh, their yeah, yeah. whole strategy was to we were it actually was a perfect example of karma. But we um we're playing. I think it was uh, semifinals, and they're they, you know, I can see one guy doing something rogue. They had a whole strategy here, where he started on in the flag station, went out of bounds through a swamp, and we came in behind us. And he actually shot my brother first, who was no way, way in the back, you know. And the thing was, he did this yell. And after he shot like two or three of us, he actually came up in the Ironman game in on the other field and realized he screwed up and came up in the wrong field. But then he eventually found his way behind <laughs> us. And the weird thing about it is when he made this call, they all ran at us, figuring they'd have an, a number. We almost beat him. But they did get the max and the points. And um, I forget who the the other, the fourth team was. But we went into our last game where we were playing Bob's Ironman on an airball field. And this was in Boston. And uh, I think we could lose one guy, which never happens on a 10-man airball field. And mm-hmm. Shock's all standing at the sideline right near Bob's flag and just smiling and laughing and I don't think we lost a guy. And Frank Connell runs over and grabs the flag and looks at him and says, you're going home. And it, they went out oh. despite having like no odds of going in. I think image <laughs> might've won now and got second, but it was very yeah. satisfying to see shock do that, get away with it and then still not make it. Oh so, man. But it was kind of the, the back to your, your question of, mm-hmm. um, you know, airball and, and being involved in that. I, I thought it was just a really good change for the sport um, to emphasize the skill level. I mean, you see it now. I mean, you know, it's hard to compare generations, but the player's skill level, left-handed, right-handed shooting, it may not be any good in the woods, but they're really good on an airball running and shooting and shooting from any position and, and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty neat to see. And I think it's great. It doesn't mean, um, I think as an industry, it, it kind of hurt the sport for a while because everybody jumped into this X ball airball format and anyone who was slow or, you know, couldn't run to the corner without getting shot five times. I mean, that was, remember when we first played you, I mean, the rates of fire were super high yeah. and, um, 
you know, so it pushed a lot of people out of the game. The young kids got shot up and said, this stinks. Or moms mm-hmm. saw 15 welts on their, their neck and said, yeah, you're not doing that. And mm-hmm. so I think we, we paid a price by going so heavily to airball and X ball format, but it's kind of come around now where like we talked about with Tim is with the 10 man coming back and you know, mm-hmm. you, the game can be fun for everybody in a different format. So I love seeing the pro at a super yeah. high skill level, fast pace. You can watch it now and, and really follow it. And so I think those things are great. Um, I, yeah, I so agree, Timmy. Adam. I, I mean, yeah, Tyler and I talk about it all the time on the show of, uh, you, you're right. There was a time where we, as an industry kind of said, we're all in on this X ball style of play and any other kind of paintball is going to be obsolete eventually. Um, and now I believe we've come around to the understanding of all paintballs good, right? Whatever kind of formats you're playing, if you just enjoy playing the game of paintball and it can be played in so many different ways, like in other sports there, it's the same thing, you know, snowboarding. Some, some people like to go really fast down the mountain. Some like to do tricks on the half pipe, you know, right. uh, there's different ways to ride your snowboard. Um, there's different ways to shoot your paintball gun uh, in different formats. And I think we've done a great job. And I think that's why I don't know. I mean, you'd probably be a better person to ask, but I feel like paintball is in a really great position right now. And and I think people are really excited about playing and, you know, all sorts of paintball. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and that's the, uh, if, if there's, I mean, COVID obviously is horrible thing for the world, but it was probably something that massively benefited paintball because everyone was stuck at home and couldn't mm-hmm. do anything, you know, that they normally do, whether it be vacation or go out to eat or go to the movies and, and when they finally realized, hey, I can go play paintball because it's outside and it's safe and you're far away, you know, it brought it brought so many new players to go out and have fun. And it kind of gave our industry a big boost. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about the only positive thing that's happened yeah. from it. But um, I'm certainly sure we'd all trade that to not ever having had it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see... Uh, you know, the, the industry is starting to get healthy again and people are having fun playing it. And like you said, in in million different formats, you know, it's all fun. And that's, that's the, the point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Get out there and play, have some fun and play some paintball. That's where it's at. Right. Totally. And just so much love and, and appreciation for Tim Montressor for really igniting that, that flame again of 10 man events and old school players, you know, getting back out there and just all sorts of paintball before we went live and actually Ty, before you got in here, Adam, if you don't mind, could we maybe go in and show that, that beautiful picture you have again, that was amazing. So for the, for the listeners, uh, gotta, gotta check out the YouTube right now. Um, they have an amazing, uh, Gosh, that scares anybody walking in. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, got in the, a bird's eye the view, we got American. the office here. Yeah, yeah this is a beautiful place. This is uh, is the picture of Tim that was actually taken from him at ICC, sitting on the rock. And, wow, uh, awesome! So we kind of took out a lot of the background. I had that. It's like a oil canvas uh, artist yeah. filled it in and and recreated it and. So he's always in our conference room. He always loved the business side just as much mm-hmm. as the paintball side. And, you know, he spent his life playing paintball and loving paintball and, and just living, you know, that dream. And mm-hmm. so he's here with us. So that so, is so yeah. Tim Montressor is, yeah. is, is paintball through and through, you know, he truly lived that lifestyle. So. Break out at ICC. 
Nice. Yeah. This is this is Tom and Tim's trophies that are, we still have here it's in his office. So. You have got awesome. to see this. If you are not on the YouTube, you're missing out. There is so much gold going on right now. He's showing us all the trophies. And God bless Timmy and everything he did Tim's in calendar PayPal. for 2020. That one's really sad. Yeah, man. So, so yeah, this is uh, it's Sam Monville's office. Sammy, there Sammy we go. Boy. Yep. <laughs> got Russell. Yeah, so, Russ. Got the whole squad. So, some of the old guns that we did. You yeah, remember? you got so many. Yeah, that was Chewie's auto mag from the day. Right Whoa. There. That's and, a piece. Uh, those. Dang. One of the, the very first uh, New Venture Shockers that we made. First electronic paint gun. What so, year was that one? That Shocker? Uh, trying to think of the exact... When was Jerry Braun's uh, ES, like original ESPN wooden board thing? Mm-hmm. I want to say 94 off the top of my head, but I don't know. Is it's that, right around there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was actually where we debuted that, not to sidetrack here into a different conversation, <laughs> but that was where we uh, made the stupid mistake of showing the world our, our gun before it was fully to market. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So I, I assume people tried to, uh, tried to get in on that. Well, yeah, actually, uh, that was, I don't know if you guys are, did you guys watch John Amadeus' History of Paintball? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't finish, I didn't watch all of it. We had a I huge a viewing party. in there, but there was a, <laughs> I won't, I, I'm not going to name names, but yeah. there was a gentleman who worked for uh, WDP at the time, who um, everyone probably knows pretty well right now, because he mm-hmm. works for a different gun manufacturer. Mm-hmm. From England. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> he was sent over to do, you know, to check out. He played um, with the band's eyes at the time. And he came over and, you know, we had uh, we were working with New Ventures on that gun. And Billy and I had the idea for it. And they were out of aerospace and they really wanted to start promoting it, even though it wasn't fully ready. And. So like dumbasses, we showed it off and uh, this individual was there and filmed it and went back to WDP and said for, they were working on a gun bet- called the Angel, a cross between the automag and the autococker. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, this is the future. We need to have an electronic gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the Amateur Open, right as we were going to de- debut the Shocker, uh, J.J. Brookshire from Brass Eagle jumped ahead of us and introduced them and said, "We're WDPs here with the first electronic gun, which just steamed mm. us to mm-hmm. no end. And, uh, and then the, the, the battle began. So that's so funny because I, I was going to say, I thought that WDP had the first electronic gun. I, I, I didn't know that, I, that you guys had that there. I have a sworn there. affidavit from uh, this individual. Oh, wow. From the, the proof from the lawsuits is exactly what, how it went down. And, uh, yeah, now they came, they, they saw our idea, they took it and they ran with it. Oh, they knew man. we had patents and they didn't care. So, but they were very good at, uh, at very good at marketing and very good at, at, you know, the politics side of things. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think we all learned our lesson from all of that, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give them that they were fighters and, yeah. and, uh, 
and they made a good, you know, they made a good product. So, well, I'm sure it only inspired you and your family to create and, you know, go above and beyond and, and make great paintball products. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. That's what we love to do. So, I mean, we've been doing it for, again, since 89, 30 some years. So yep. we'll I was keep born, doing it. That was when I was born, 89. Shout out to nice. 89. <laughs> and Adam, let me just Boy, be the first. Me really well, dude, you, you paved the way, you know, for me to be shooting this gun that I'm shooting right now, that is from the DLX technologies family. And the thing shoots like butter. I mean, Honestly, I have yet to shoot a gun that shoots this smooth and accurately. It is it is really a, a special gun that you guys have created with that. Well, we have a, we have a great team here. I mean, we're always trying to improve stuff and and make it better, just just like everybody else. But we, you know, we have great input and testers. You know, I mean, again, we have Ryan come in and. Ryan Moorhead will come in and the best, you know, he'll just go through every, every little aspect of the, of the gun. We have Chad George here is here a lot of the time, Sam's yep. here. So, you know, aside from all us, we have current guys who, you know, you know how hard it is to make some pros happy. So if we, if we can make our guys super happy and we want them to be yeah. picky and try it in all different conditions, you know, cause you, you, I think it was, it was funny cause the, the time that we were, you know, Billy and I come up with the idea, but we haven't made, you know, the shocker yet. Um, you know, it was back in the day, again, it was all automag and, and autococker and, and we weren't really in that group of people. We used automags and we used autocockers at one time, but I think the, the comment between, I believe it was Tom K was the guns have evolved as far as they're going to go. Mm. And, you know, you really can't make a better paintball gun. And we were thinking, Watch we us. don't agree with that <laughs> yeah you know and then, and they were really mad when we went and and brought out the shocker i mean they were th they like you know they didn't like it um mm -hmm. you know and i think a lot of people never thought it would work you know mm -hmm. they thought it was dumb but you know obviously you know years later there's that's you know mm -hmm. it was everything everything that, like that that original shocker was so iconic remember dynasty rocking yeah. those things it, it over here on the west coast you know those those like blue kind of faded dynasty shockers back in the day where everyone wanted one of those things they were so badass yeah no it was we had some some good years with uh dynasty shooting them yeah yeah and real quick just to i, I want to stay on this track but uh the espn world championships was 1996 oh perfect the jerry yeah. yeah yeah exactly yep i'm the the finals i got it here iron man versus the turtles it's that one right Right. Yeah, right. totally. That was in January. Yeah. So yep. that's when that's would have been like the first day it was shown at all. And then, mm -hmm. uh, gosh, I was six years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I was five years old. I hadn't turned six yet. That's nice. crazy. It was just a pup. <laughs> and to kind of uh, continue on there, you guys have sponsored some of the biggest teams over, you know, the last 20, 30 years to ever play paintball. You've got obviously, you know, Philly. Um, and strange as well. And then also dynasty. Um, how does that feel to have been a part of such iconic organizations? You know, it, it, I mean, it was pretty neat in, in the day. There were a lot of teams. I, I mean, it, sponsorship's a difficult uh, thing. I mean, you want to, you know, especially when you're playing, but you know, 
during the days where smart parts was going crazy and and the industries was growing and blowing up in early X-Ball days. I mean, we had a lot of teams and, um, you know, it was, pre- it was pretty, it was kind of pretty neat. A lot of people, you know, have good memories of those times and the guns they shot in the teams. I mean, there were some awesome teams, you know, probably mm-hmm. too many to even name, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, it was, it was kind of cool at times to show up in our, with our big trucks and yeah. have our campground with all our different teams there. And, you know, it's pretty neat. That's exactly what it was too. It was like a fortress is a, a whole camp and you had, you know, the smart parts army rolling through and, um, world cups were always, you know, just so amazing with the huge venue that, that would be put on with those world cups. I remember we had the three trucks. Yeah. <laughs> at one time, it was a little nuts, a little overboard, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Each of those factories almost have their own little compound. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, each of the companies to like Tent City and, yeah. and uh, you know, it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You're you're starting to see. Uh, I, I feel like the World Cups are starting to feel uh, the way they used to, like the magnitude of the event. You know, with how big, like this last one. You know, I think the NXL is doing a great job of making the events feel like they used to. You know, right. yeah. Now I, I agree. I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see the free pro field and stuff like that because I think I remember that the days like you know, the 03, 04, even after that, where the crowds were, I mean, you, there wasn't a spot in the stands. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was screaming. Mm-hmm. It was a little different because you could talk back then, sidelines. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. many people yelled, you couldn't hear much anyway. But, you know, I, I, there were some really, I think the bleachers were a lot bigger and a lot fuller then. And certainly some of that, I mean, some of it's, there's so many people there and they're all playing events, but, you know, you want, you, you I think that, is something that could improve on and, and, you know, but everyone's got to run a business and pay for all this stuff too. It's not cheap. So, you know, there's, there's a bunch of ways of doing that, but I think you guys would love to see, you know, a couple thousand people there with stands packed and screaming and, and having fun, you know? Yeah. There's, there's nothing worse than uh, a really cool paintball photo with empty bleachers behind you. Right. That there's nothing worse in my opinion. You know, it just looks looks lousy, right? Um, they have done a, a cool thing. I, I know that they're offering a free section now. That's that's cool. They've at least opened it up, so there is a section um, that anyone can come and watch the pro the pro games. I do right. wonder if coaching would bring some of that participation back, right? If you can, if people could talk from the stands, you know, that definitely got people involved and was, um, you know, a, an exciting thing for people that were there. There are pros and cons to it. I mean, I, I, you know, you could, whether it helps or doesn't help, it certainly would help in certain circumstance, but it was, you know, it's really hard to hear too. I mean, I yeah, remember right. the, the early ones I'd use the crowd, you know, against the guy because, yeah. you know, there was one of those had a cutout in the snake and I'd start down the line and everyone yell, he's coming and the guy would pop <laughs> out and then I cut inside, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and he, you know, it, it worked great. Totally. But other times it's, you know, I'm sure it was frustrating as heck when, you you know, you make this awesome move and someone says he's coming and you get blown up where you would have wanted. So, (laughs) yeah, you're going to try all these things and some will work and some won't. But it was it was a neat uh, experience. And I like when I was not playing. I mean, I sideline coach for Chad George for a couple of years. It was awesome. That's a fun job. This little machine gun. And I, I could, you know, be there even though I'm not 
on the game, you know, mm-hmm. and help him. And it was great when, you know, I maybe told him something good and he won a point and it really sucked when I told him the wrong <laughs> thing and got his head blown off. Like, oh, so sorry yeah. about that. He's actually I wonder he's if nominated a- for uh, Iconic Player of the Year as a Snake Player. Um, the Iconic nice. Awards just debuted on all those nominees. So he's nominated for that, which is really awesome. And I do want to say it's so great that you guys still have top-level pro players in the company, you know, like Ryan, Sam, Chad. They're all there and they're working their butts off to make these products even better than they already are and giving you guys, you know, real firsthand experiences on how the gear is, is working as well. It makes all the difference. It really does because they're going to, things change and, you know, whether it be styles or needs or, you know, yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the the best of the best right now to help us figure out, you know, what we've got to do, not just now, but in our next models and designs. And, you know, yeah. and it's good to have that feedback. Without it, you could make, you know, something that maybe we think is fine, but it mm-hmm. really isn't. And by the time you figure it out, you're already to market or it's too late. It takes like a long time to take a, a new design from idea and concept and try everything and test it to market. I mean, it's at least mm-hmm. two years. So it's, yeah. you know, the, it you really have to have that testing and that reliable feedback, not just someone who throws it in their bag and yeah, it was good. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you want to <laughs> try all different scenarios so yeah it's crucial you know uh in all the different conditions you know paintball tournaments if, if you've been to many paintball tournaments you know that you're going to be playing in all the elements <laughs> so the equipment oh, yeah. needs to be able to work in all of them and an, an advantage can swing i mean paint's one of the biggest things to oh yeah you know, to even still i mean you can go from doing great on Friday and Saturday and the weather changes on Sunday and now your paint's bouncing and theirs isn't. And, you know, you better be a lot better than the other team at that point. Because How, how do you feel about the different paint companies, uh, you know, like taking turns on events? So, you know, all of the teams have to shoot the same paint. I think it'll just lead to inferior paint and inferior competition between the paint companies. I mean, you want to keep them honest. Um, you know, that was kind of one of the, one of the first things Billy and I did. I mean, the evil, evil paintball was the, that evil, the brittle paint. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. The it iconic was, white shell, pink fill. Yeah. There was that the, was amazing. RP Shear had, you know, they, they were a group of primarily field owners. They weren't, tournament guys and they sponsored the all Americans and they invited us down to their headquarters and they had all their people there and their engineers there. And they're showing us this chart of a drop test. And they're like, look, it, it used to break down here and we've got it all the way up here. And Billy and I are like, their charts going the wrong way. Right. Where, you know, we like raise our hand. We're like, yeah, that might be great for fields. But as players, that that isn't what we want. We want a brittle ball that's not going to break on our gun, but it's going to break when we hit somebody. Mm-hmm. And the field owners are like, just shut up. <laughs> you know, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And they had a, uh, you know, a, a really good CEO and he listened and he said, hey, we, we want to have two different types of paint. We want the field owner paint that does what the fields want, but we also want to have you know, a ball that 
that works for teams and players and, and the product of that was evil and it was really good. Um, mm. you know, it's funny cause shock was kind of super bent cause shock was out of Chicago and Perlmutter was out of Chicago and here the all A's had a better paint than they did. So then <laughs> they of course weaseled their way into getting it as well. And, uh, you know, but that was, you know, back with the Ironman had, uh, what was that bullseye? Their bright pink stuff. You guys may not remember that, but I forget the guy's mm-hmm. name. He did that, but you know that stuff was was uh, just brutal too. So I mean, there was really this competition, not just on guns and players and playing, mm-hmm. but it, it was it was all the way across the product line. And you know, you don't want these the paint companies. There aren't that many of them now. I mean, there's consolidation, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. want you want to have to have them perform to be able to get the business. Otherwise. They won't, you know, they won't care. They'll and cut corners, of course. Yeah, they will. I mean, it's a business. They got to make money and they want to make money. But, you know, if they don't have to make it, put in the extra effort to make it mark better and break better and, and, and store it right and refrigerated containers and go through that effort, then you guys will be just shooting the crap out of each other with marbles and, and mm-hmm. it'll really suck because you'll make a great move and mm-hmm. you'll bounce the guy, you mm-hmm. know. I had so. no idea that um, that you also had a hand in like the early evil paint and all that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty cool story wow. going down there. Yeah. yeah, they were not the field owners were not happy with. Art. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I remember playing you in two thousand three. Yeah, and I ran to the snake corner, and two balls went right through my pods. No, so I'm pretty sure you guys were shooting a, <laughs> a little hot back then. I I never had that happen. Bobby was pretty creative with, yeah. with things. Honestly, I wish I knew, Fast but I hot. was such I was such a noob, you know, on the team. I didn't have any cool things. If there was any, I don't. And honestly, I don't know. But um, I was the greenhorn that was just the you know, like go get them, T. You know, taking it to the grave think of some of the technology. I mean, you guys probably haven't played with it since then, but I mean, the NXL, we were able to use radar chronos from the side to not Mm -hmm. only determine rate of fire, but also velocity of every ball. Yeah. I mean, just think of how difficult that is to do and how amazing that it was done. And now it's all, nobody does it anymore, but you know, that's pretty cool. I mean, technology. You know, it was funny that we, we were playing trauma and, you know, there was argument as whether there should be a rate of fire. And I think, um, you know, it was Rob Stoddinger, those guys thought their guns were faster. And mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where whenever you feel you have an advantage, you don't want to change it. So Mike Ratko came to our practice and had one of the first, uh, you know, chronos that could measure uh, the full velocities that way or the rate of fire. And when they realized we were able to shoot like 28 balls a second and they were at like 25, then we had to start talking about rate of fire discussion, you know, and now it's come down and I think it should come down. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Nobody needs to, you know, that's one of the things that hurt the game is it, the technology kind of got ahead of it. Um, Mm. You know, but you, you, I think velocity and, and rates of fire, you know, are, it's important, but it was kind of one of the ways the game changed, you know, it was a wild west when, when we first started playing, 
on in, in, mm-hmm. in XL. So yes, it was. I remember they would actually bring the. Uh, I think it was at the Seven Man and some of the NXL, the robot that was traveling around. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't play as much of the Seven Man because that you know that was kind of that time where I yeah. played a couple of events. I think I played with Dynasty once um, in one of there those. You go. But yeah. Yeah, the nice. robot yeah, think- was for people who don't know was this machine that they would take to all the events and it would uh you know you'd put your gun on the robot and it would tell you exactly what the gun is doing and all the details on the shot and the rate all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So back to your question, I don't like events where it's just one paint company. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be beneficial for anybody. The only thing it would do is even the playing field. So, you know, the paint wouldn't be a factor. Like you, you play basketball, you play football and the ball is standardized, but I, I agree with you. I'm on, I'm on your side of things too. You're going to, you would get worse and worse paint, I would imagine. Right. But I mean, the players that aren't sponsored by those companies would also, you know, have a voice and speak up if the paint was too bad, you know, and that would probably, probably tarnish the brand a little bit. Be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think that's part of the game. I mean, I, yeah, I can see maybe even ending up, but I'm not sure that you still have paint management, you know? Of course. Yep. Of course. Which is a huge one. Paint management is, is so important. I'm still blown away that so many of the pro teams don't understand paint management today in the pro division, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. It's hard enough to get some of them to realize the benefit of the the inserts. I mean, people yeah. pick an insert because they like the color, right? <laughs> no, that's not what you do. <laughs> you, know, you need to have it. You can blow it through light through your barrel if you can do that. Then it's just right. If it rolls through, it's you know too loose. If it's mm-hmm. if it's too tight, you're going to break paint. You're shooting it, mm-hmm. you know. 10 plus balls a second. You need it to be perfect. And if a ball gets caught, the next one's going to hit it and blow it up. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) Guys, you just look at them like, how long have you been playing? How can you not know this? And they don't. It's imperative. The paintball is the one thing that really matters. I mean, pretty much above all, obviously, you got to play good. You got to connect out there and make all the right moves and all these things. But man, you're playing paintball. That paintball better be dialed in proper, you know? Yeah, without good paint. I mean, it doesn't matter how good of an aim you are. And, you know, if if you hit him and it bounces, he's not Mm -hmm. out. So, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. the paint has gotten significantly smaller too. It's funny. I remember back in the day, it was like six nine two was the bore size you would typically go with, you know, be on the safe side. Now, if you, I don't think companies even make six nine twos anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's changed, and it, it's it's sometimes different around the world too. I remember going playing in Brazil, and I think I might have had the only six nine five barrel. And holy smokes, you know, we had like one guy who could shoot. I had egg balls getting stuck in my feed tube. Oh, you wow. know, it was so bad, but you know, we're fighting over who got the barrel. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy had some really good games. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to size the paint up. You got to take care of it when you're, you know, before you play the games and make sure that, you know, every advantage you can give yourself, why, why not? You know, instead of l- leveraging it the other way against you, you got to take all those advantages you can get. I mean, really at the level, I mean, you're playing at it today, you see the difference between the top three or four teams is not mm-hmm. 
that big of a difference. Anyone can win on that given day. So it's those little things that, you know, may determine who wins, you know, it's one or two key points. If, you know, you're playing on a one-on-one and he bounces you and you hit him, that's Mm -hmm. like a two point swing. And that's the difference between going home or, you know, holding the trophy. And, you know, so it doesn't mean it'll always work out that way, but, you know, it's a sport. It's a game. I, I, it's just like Chicago ICPL. I mean, we're, we're playing in the semifinals. We just had to not lose. And five minutes into the game, this torrential downpour comes. Ugh. And we were just not prepared for I could not see mm-hmm. at all. I didn't have a visor on. I, I don't have a speed feed because I carry two pods anyway. But yeah. I was sitting there watching. <laughs> I know where the guy's going to go. I'm waiting for him. And he moves across and shoots me right in the face. And I'm just like, Oh, Oh my oh, God. I, you know, yeah. sitting here for 10 minutes, just knowing <laughs> got this one and, and I just could not see. And, uh, you know, so yeah. stuff happens and you, mm-hmm. the more you prepare for all those little things, you know, the, the better your chance of winning. Yeah. That tournament looked fun and shout out to the two pods. I've heard about this, this two pods where you, and even, uh, Moorhead said, I don't know. I've only, I don't think I've ever seen him grab the second one. You know, the, you, uh, one is for any of the teammates who drop or, sp- or run out and the others yeah. in case I can fall and, you know, <laughs> need a load. I barely have to reload. And that's, yeah. in there. I mean, I, you know, and that's, I don't intentionally do that. It's just how I, I play that's the how game. You play. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. I remember in Toulouse, France running out to, it was in the finals and man, I'm like, God, I'm so fast. And I realized I forgot my harness. Oh, so I had a loader, and I think I shot like four of a four of the guys, and and uh, it was really pretty cool. I don't do that on purpose, but yeah, you know, I felt like an idiot if I had blown it. But um, I've just always been that way. I I I'm not a I'm not a good sweet spotter. Don't mm. don't ask <laughs> me a sweet spot. It's not going to happen. But you know, as as I play, I want to have. I feel that I want to have the advantage if I'm playing you one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a, you know, going to keep popping out until one of us gets hit. I want to find a different angle where I have the advantage and I can get my one shot and and then adjust from it. And, you know, it, it worked well for me. It doesn't work in all situations, mm-hmm. you know, and as you get older, it's harder to get in those key spots. Mm-hmm. So, it can become a liability, but usually on a field, there's a good spot. I like getting up front, even as old as I can. I am. I like being right in the middle of it because that's my game. So I saw you. I saw you balling mm-hmm. at the uh, the ICC. ICC jumped over the balling. snake, bunkered our guys. You balled out in the in the uh, All Star game. Yeah. That was more of like a Legends yeah. game, but yeah, <laughs> I, I shot Chad. It was funny because he said he was going to shoot me. And uh, I, I, I found Jordan. a way to go over him. The second time I bounced him, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, <laughs> fun. You just it's you got to have that timing down and that just mm-hmm. that sense of when you can go and and not go. But it it's fun. You know, I still enjoy oh, yeah. it. It's been so great my watching. Playing with me, which is cool. He's Jude is seventeen, and you know I hadn't even started playing paintball yet at seventeen. I started when I was about <laughs> eighteen, and yeah. uh, so. You know, he he came to the first ICC and watched, and he's like, 
was really hooked and we started nice. playing and now he's, he's got some really good skills. He's got a lot to learn in, in a lot of areas, but he's super patient and he's calm under fire. He doesn't panic, you know, yeah. he doesn't love getting shot, but he likes yeah. talking to Ash and <laughs> telling dad he sucks. And <laughs> yeah, but, I actually, I saw him out at world cup and uh, he did really well out there. I think that they, they actually, one in their division i think maybe two divisions actually yeah we played the five seven and ten man um yeah and won the seven and ten that our other squad won the five and the year before we played with adrenaline on the ten man and won that it was pretty cool so that was air ball and uh so he's you know he's having fun with he likes x ball he likes woods ball he's learning it all so yeah it's kind of neat oh that's that's really a a reason for me to keep going you know Mm -hmm. Uh, cause I don't know how long I get to play with them and do that stuff and show them, you know, yeah. so it's kind of neat. Oh, that's super rewarding on so many levels that you guys get to run. Shout out to Jude. If you tune in, keep crushing it out there. And what do you think it was about the 10 man event that really sparked his interest and made him say, damn, I want to get into this. He probably saw his dad balling out and was mm-hmm. like, I had no mm-hmm. idea. My dad was a baller. And, and then he was like, I'm getting in the game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, he always, you know, he, he would always hang at work, out at work, too. So, I mean, he knows a lot of the guys on Philly and Ryan and all those. So, yeah. it's really just all of that, being part of it, you know, kind of like he's, you know, even though early on he wasn't, you know, he was just kind of helping, um, you know, he got to be part of it and just see the ups and downs and watch the games and see how cool it was. And, you know, when we won it that, that year – I mean, mm-hmm. that was just like, the, you know, just, oh, he's yeah. like, I got to do this. So yeah. This is awesome. So. <laughs> That's cool. And I hear you actually uh, are a pretty damn good one-on-one player as well. You won an epic watch at some point in like a one-on-one event. You know, I, I actually got second and, I, and it's, 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 I, you know, you remember the things you lose more than, the, mm-hmm. than you want to win sometimes, but actually it was uh Marty Bush, me, uh, Marcus Nielsen, and I in the finals. There were like sixty guys. In no this. way. Was, I mean, there was top pros back in the day, but it was all Phantom wow. Pumpkins. Yeah. In England, and um, it was the final three of us in the in uh, at Mayhem, and I actually went against Marty first, and I like instantly gogged him. Oh, so. Man. Yeah, it was awesome because Mar- Marty's like the god of pumpkins, you know, and yeah. all the Ironmen are standing there watching and talking crap. So then I'm pl- I play Marcus. The problem is the referees were tag watch employees. They weren't referees. Mm. And I have this tree and Marcus runs across and I take two shots at him. And then I sh- probably shouldn't have done this, but he was down in the bunker. So I went to like shoot him up close and he popped up and shot me Oh, and I was out. But when he stood up, I had hit him twice when he went across. <laughs> and I'm like, he's hit twice. I didn't fire. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter. So then Marty went and shot Marcus. So it was a three-way tie. Oh. So we had to do it again. And then this time Marty shot me. And then I shot Marcus. And then Marty shot Marcus. So Marty got first. He got the gold oh, wash. Wow. I, I got the silver tag. And yeah, you know, we got a couple. That's bucks, still a- so it was pretty that's a still an amazing price. watch. Yeah. Yeah it, was, yeah. it was pretty cool. I wish they yeah. did that again. 
Not that I win it, but it was pretty good. <laughs> that is we had, the all A's were good at that. We went to Toulouse uh, and, you know, France is, you know, they love their pump, you know, oh, yeah. tournament, you know, pump guns. I mean, they're all big on that. And they're, we're talking a bunch of crap too. And I think it was Chuck Hench, me, Billy and Robo took the top four on their pump tournament, which they were not happy about. Damn. So, yeah. So that was, That'd be so cool if we could get watches again for like, you know, one of the events you get five watches or or 10 watches for a team, you know, and my goodness, you would imagine like some of these companies, if someone reached out to them and said, you know, you will have your logos on the bunkers or something, you know, and all you got to do is probably do it. Yeah. They, they did it back in the day. I mean, it's kind of their, they go after the pro athlete type of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised. That's really interesting. (laughs) And the all Americans, um, you guys were one of the first teams as a 10-man group to travel to Europe, if, um, if I'm not incorrect there. Um, and you would travel with your, with your bro. And, uh, and also, you were one of the first teams, the All-Americans, to ever bring European players to play for your organization as well early on. Yeah, we, we went to Europe a lot. And um, England's just brutal. Oh, my God. You know, we didn't have a chance playing in England with English referees in the English woods. I'll just say that for years. I think Bob, the Ironman won the one year um, before we won Mayhem. We finally did win one, but it was more airball. We'd get a lot of seconds in place, but, you know, they were not going to let us win over there. Let's just put it that way. There's just no chance. It was really like that back then, too. It yeah. really was. Yeah. There, there's, <laughs> there, there's, yeah. And uh, I, it, it's a story. It's uh, Tom Cole will tell you about this story because I actually just I heard about this. Uh, but the uh, it was um, what's Marcus the uh, Predators? I think one Masters five man the one year. It was actually it was karma. This was again another example of you, Tom Cole was bad company, and. Uh, we played him in, we had never won the Masters five man. We won Masters, but 10 man two years in a row. But that was the one we really wanted to, to win. I think the one year I came up on Marty Bush and I, or at Bob Long, I missed him and Marty shot me and we lost. I was devastated. Oh, damn. And uh, the next year, going to the, the finals, if I could just beat uh, Bad Company. And I shoot Tommy Cole. And as he's running, he trips and his goggles fall off. And the referee comes over and she's like, stops him. And for whatever reason, she determined that since his goggles fell off, he was neutral and not out. So she cleaned his goggles off and then puts him back in and he shoots me. And then they go on to the finals. And I was like, you know, and Tom was laughing because he knew it was just totally wrong. But in the finals, they played the Predators and Right at the end, the Predators managed to somehow hang the flag on him. Well, it turns out years later, the head referee, who was also English, actually hung the flag on him. Oh, and that's the type of stuff they actually, you know, that's how the Predators won their first five, man, at the Masters. They probably won't like me sharing that. But, you know, the head ref told the story. <laughs> and I won't say who he is, but Tom Cole heard about that. And he was so mad. And I just laughed because he yeah. was laughing at his shooting me with his goggles off. So, Oh man, that's crazy. 
But if you imagine the frustration of going over there, I mean, it, you you spent a lot of time and money and effort to go over to yeah. Europe, and and you just got schooled. Now that changed over time, and we won a lot of events over there. But you know, Mayhem in the Woods was. Did you you guys ever play Mayhem in the Woods? It was no, amazing. I have not. Enormous, like beautiful fields, but I mean, the games are. Hey, Pepper. <laughs> we got a dog. There we go. <laughs> Um, the, Pepper. the fields were huge, the games were long and, uh, you know, it was a different, it was just a different experience. It was awesome. But, um, you know, we won events in Germany and Sweden and France yeah. and, and a bunch in England, but, um, you know, we did go over there a lot and, uh, yeah. you know, probably five, six times a year. We went to South America. We went, we played in Brazil. We played in Venezuela. You know, I've been to Australia. I played with shocking those guys one time there and and uh so a lot of traveling but we all did also have a you know there were some there are a lot of good players in in england and phil ham and graham was one of the earlier ones um you know robo was on our team um so you know we had a lot of good players so yeah. from england it's kind of funny because the all americans were a mix of not just all americans <laughs> Yeah, so, but we also had some of the first women on our team early on too. That's so, right. Yeah, That's right. So Karen, who, yeah, she was a baller. Yeah, who'd you have? What? Who? Who'd you have? Who? Karen who and uh, uh, my brother's first wife. We won't go into that, but she was on our team as well. Okay. And uh, so we had two women, and uh, I think this is Pepper, by the way. She's hey, Pepper! Bad. This is one of the best yeah, parts Pepper. of the show. We get to yes. meet the dogs. There we go four months old, but, <laughs> yeah, um, pup. you know, it, it drove the Ironman nuts when they, they're like these Southern California athletic guys and they get beat by, you know, a team mm. with a couple women and, you know, older guys and chubby guys. And, and it, it just, they just scratch their heads at times, you know, we didn't always beat them, but, you know, I think they, they just couldn't figure out how it was possible at times. Mm-hmm. Well, Karen, Karen was a baller. She could play. Yeah, she was. No, yeah, she was, she was a good player in the woods. She's sneaky and little and yeah, and a good shot. So absolutely. I don't know who Karen lot. is. Karen Semmelsberger. She was, she was married to Tui okay. back in the day. And that's how we got to know him. We'd go play and practice every weekend and they played with us and, or against us. And, and uh, she came and worked at smart parts as did Tui back in the day. And, uh, you know, and, uh, so, yeah, but it's legendary we times. A, yeah. We won, yeah. They, they won championships with us. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They just man. weren't on the team. They, they, they played well. Mm-hmm. 10 man is so amazing. And actually I want to dive into your story a little bit more, Adam, and, and kind of get the grassroots on your paintball experience and how this all unfolded for you and how you got into paintball and fell in love with this game what what was the turn of events that led you to being introduced to paintball uh billy bought two nail spot nail spot 007s two or three of them and we <laughs> yeah. were going to florida for spring break and uh you know there was we had some land down there and we were just running around the woods shooting each other and of course we ran out of paint yeah and we called around and found a hobby store that, you know, had paintballs, but he's like, don't come between these hours. Cause we have a session going on. And we're like, well, what do you mean? 
like, well, we have groups of people who come and play. We're like, oh my God, this is great. And, um, you know, I think within three days we bought two or three different guns, but, um, you know, we went and played that whole spring break and just loved it. And then we went back to college. That was like my freshman year of college. He was a senior and, uh, we'd drive to Pinnacle Woods in Ohio and play, uh, up there. And, and, um, that was about the time I think the next year, Billy, when he was at Emory in Atlanta, um, it was, he kind of wanted to emphasize that entrepreneurship, but we started a paintball field, great location, like 50 miles outside Atlanta in the jungle of their forest at that time. Mm-hmm. And if it was above 75, it was too hot. And if it was below 70, it was too cold. So it was just a horrible business. But as a result, we just shot each other all day long <laughs> in the deep woods of Georgia and got ticks like yeah. everywhere. Oh, and, man. uh, you know, but that was, that was kind of how, you know, I spent my summers down there and we, we ran paintball fields and, you know, worked on guns and, and, um, Jerry, that Wolf Slayer event was kind of the first big tournament. I don't know if you've ever been to Wolf Slayer or heard of it. No, I've heard of it. I've never been there. Uh, it was amazing. Just a fantasy land of, of yeah. paintball. The guy was uh, in New York. I think he was a stockbroker or whatever and had lots of money and bought this land outside of New York City. Jerry Braun didn't like him because he was competition, but he built these, they built cabins. They're, they're still there today. There are 20 or 30 cabins and you'd just go there and all the people would stay in the cabins at the site. And he had all these fields. He had tunnels under, it was not safe. Whoa. But <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I mean, he'd have, tunnels that where you could go down and come up in the other side and yeah and buildings and castles and and he uh some of our early events there we played a i think it was a 15 man and uh played the pmi piranhas i think it was a throw together group it was billy and i it was our first tournament and you know we had 15 people half of which we didn't know and we got <laughs> second and they gave us this big bag of cash and nice yeah, i think we won like I don't know, it was like $10,000 or something and we're handing it out and, and we started playing the seven mans. And that was the day, that was the early days of the Baltimore rats, which uh-huh. was the Malateskis. Yeah. Richie was too young, but it was Tommy and Greg and we beat them every single time to the point where they finally are like, if we can't beat them, we're going to join them. And, you know, cause we beat them in our second masters too. And we just always beat those guys. They'll tell you that too. It's true. Tommy and Greg are awesome. And I like Richie and all that, but they, they finally came to the conclusion that we'd be better. We'd be, you know, we're both good teams. You have the edge, but if we joined each other together, mm-hmm. you know, we could really do some damage. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was, that was when the Karens and some of the other older players kind of, weren't able to compete anymore. And we, we joined with those guys and the all ace really started uh, yeah. to have some great victories. So what was the uh, name of the very first paintball team that you guys started when you were younger? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, it really became the all Americans. I'm trying to remember the mm-hmm. Wolf Slayer one that we did. We maybe played one event and uh, I can't even remember the team that it was that we played on, but uh, we started playing at Sergeant York's in in near Harrisburg and John Luby that was his field and and kind of the team that some of the guys were on were called the All-Americans 
Mm. So if it was Sergeant York's All Americans. I think it's a war. There was yeah. a war hero named Sergeant York, and his squad was the All Americans. And mm. you know that's really where we started. Is was the All Americans? Wow! So that's some trivia right there for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. it started. Dang. Lynn Barnett and uh, Karen's. Uh, I think it was her cousin Bud Smart, and you know we had some some good guys. But I mean, we, you know, we, it wasn't like we, we did work really well at, at Wolf Slayer, but you know, when we started playing the lively series and started playing teams like constant pursuit and some of the other big names, the piranhas and those, I mean, we struggled for a while. And I think one year we finally made the top eight. I think Billy crawled through their line and got the flag and, you know, he was really sneaky that way. Again, the games were long. And, uh, and then the, the next year, uh, I think it was, 90. I gotta look at my truck here. He's got the truck to take reference to there. <laughs> That's so cool. They yeah, got the trailer. 91. We, we took the first lively event, we took a fourth. And then the second one, we took a third. And then in Chicago, we got second. And then we went to the World Cup and, and won our first Masters, which, you know, those were brutal divisions because you had division, you had 16 teams make the semis and you had to win your division of four to make the finals. Mm-hmm. And then you had to win your division of four to win it. And you know how hard that is to, Sheesh. you know, four team division to finish first and you got to do it twice. And Damn. Uh, we did yeah. that actually in 91. And then we did again in 92 and 92 was a really good year. We won that. and We won the, the world cup as well. And, a bunch of tournaments in between so yeah and all the while you guys are still creating as well you're, you're coming up with ideas and and innovating in the within the game as well yeah it's you know it's just what if you're competitive i mean i you know my brother was you know he we always played sports we were always competing at everything you know mm-hmm. i was i think i weighed my freshman year of high school i was 87 pounds Mm-hmm. And I wrestled varsity. I, I still, I mean, my high school's, you know, pretty prestigious school in a lot of ways. And I had 10 varsity letters, which was the most for ever until probably the last 10 years. And, uh, you there know, I was wow. wrestling captain, a four-year letter in that. I did uh, soccer and and track. That was probably my weakness. I pole vaulted. Billy was actually a better pole vaulter than I was. I was too light. I weighed like 87 pounds and, you know, I just, a lot of my friends, Billy and George Davison, you know, he was with the all A's. I don't know if you remember George, but Mm -hmm. you know, he's one of the old school ballers and Mark and they'd come home from high school on the weekend. It was a boarding school and they'd beat me up. And I, you know, I felt like I was one of them, even though they were three, three years older, three and a half. And, you know, I, I just, you know, got ingrained that competitiveness and, and Billy was the same way. And, you know, you take it through paintball and, you know, everything you do, you just want to, you know, yeah. try to be the best you can. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Adam, do you, you know, I, I want to ask you what paintball means to you, right? Because hearing your stories, it's like, before we started this show, uh, I told you this is kind of the first time I've sat down and had a a real conversation with you or even met you formally. And it amazes me listening to these stories because they're just so uh, parallel to every paintball player that has like fallen in love with the game. Right. You know, it's like these experiences of of going through, uh, you know, the 
the team bonding and, and the events, the competitiveness. Um, I had no idea. I mean, one, that's an amazing feat that you have in, in high school. So always an athlete, but like, what does the game of paintball mean to you? You, you watch Ted Lasso. You're the second person to ask me that in the last week. I haven't seen it. Well, paintball is right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah now I'm, I'm that's still that's kind of the, the the one guy on the team is paintball is life and i think yeah you know for guys who do this you know, whether it be me or anyone else i mean if if you're paintball takes a huge sacrifice i mean yeah you know if for years for two decades i mean you're looking at practicing every weekend you know traveling all over the world i mean you know there's i was not in my one of my best friend's wedding. I was going to be his best man, and I had to tell him no because we had the World Cup. You know, that's and, what I like to hear. You know, that's just, and I don't think I'd change that. You know, because totally. we won the World Cup. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, that's your life. I mean, and I would say, you know, eighty-five percent of my friends are paintball related, and you know. I won't say every experience in paintball is a great one. I mean, we had some ups and downs. I mean, whether it be as a team mm-hmm. or as a business or, mm-hmm. or anything, I mean, you know, things aren't always rosy and, you know, you know, there's, I mean, there's nothing worse than losing, whether it be again in in the, the whether the individual event or you have a teammate leave or, you know, your, your business fails or, you know, your somebody steals your product or, you know, and even like Tim, you know, one of your best guys dies, you know, and, and, you know, this, this is just what we do. And, you know, I don't think any of us would rather do anything else. I mean, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to work this and make it my full life. Other people have to have jobs to do this, which again, makes it even harder. You know, it's, it's hard to find employers going to let you take off the amount of time you take off and still want to pay you, you know? So that's why a lot of guys end up working in the industry, but you know, I don't know that everyone can. Um, so, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's, you know, obviously, you know, you've got that and you've got family, but I was lucky enough to, you know, my parents, uh, helped us and were at work every day. And, you know, my brother's at, at, at work and, you know, uh, I'm able to bring my son here in the summers and, you know, my wife will come in occasionally and help out and, you know, whenever we need. And, and, you know, my mother-in-law works here and, you know, it's, it's just, it's kind of, you know, not that I won't steal the tagline, but paintball is life. And, you know, so. Man. So Adam, it sounds like you probably got some scholarships for other sports. No, I I really didn't. Um, again, I I I went to college. I I wanted to play soccer. I twisted my ankle really bad, but we started playing paintball and we loved it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's I, what I was getting. I play a lot of sports. I still mm-hmm. I play. I may not be able to keep playing soccer because I overdid it. I played in a D four X ball tournament and like all day and then went and played in a soccer game and my knee was really stiff for like three oh, weeks, man. but yeah. I, I play over 40 competitive soccer. Now I've, I've oh, nice. played baseball, just not, I never even played baseball in high school, but I just wanted to do it. I played in a basketball league at the Y with a couple of my friends and we actually won a nice. competitive <laughs> league, which was shocking because I never played, I was a wrestler, you know what I mean? But it's just, 
you know, I just like playing different different things. I mean, when we had smart parts, we'd play ultimate frisbee, we'd play tackle football, which was really stupid, but it was still fun. You know, Spash Robinson has an amazing, he's an awesome quarterback. And, uh, you Shout know, out. It, yeah, we, we, uh, you know, we beat guys, but even in like our, in college, we played, uh, my brother and a couple of friends, we got the soccer captain was our quarterback and we beat all the fraternities and a flag It actually was tackle league there. And, uh, you know, so yeah. stuff like that. We like, we like playing. I didn't, play the sports. I don't know that I have the size or the speed or the strength to do things at a college level, but I could do paintball really well. And, um, you know, when you get into college sports and scholarships and that type of stuff, you know, they're going to really look at, you know, your time and your strength and your speed. And I, I wasn't into that. I was in paintball at that point. Well, it did really well for you. Yeah, I, yeah, it worked out great for me because it combines <laughs> all the things strategically. I can see stuff. You know, I yeah, I played ice hockey league too for with Hans and uh, you know for a number of years. So you know, hell yeah, put all those little parts together and and you know if you love sport, you can kind of visualize mm-hmm. things. You know, I think it was great for paintball. You know, but um, I don't think I was ever. Strong. I had the mind for it, but I didn't have the size, strength, or speed. And I think you need all of those. So, yeah, it, it sounds like too. Again, you just kind of made the decision that you're going to go all in on paintball, which is funny because there's a lot of kids that we work with that um, have a lot of potential, but they are in other sports, whether it, whether it's wrestling or football or lacrosse, what swimming, whatever it is, and as soon as they ask, like, you know, how do I balance the two or, or, uh, you know, what should I do? Should I, you know, not do this so I can pursue paintball more in my mind? I'm like, you're, you're not even in the right space yet. Because for me, it was, I also, you know, I, I played football in, in high school. I played, I was on the wrestling team, but as I started to get competitive with paintball, I was done with everything else. I didn't need to ask anybody, you know, what I should do. I knew that, all I wanted to do was play paintball and pursue paintball, you know? Uh, right. Like, and when you know like that infinitely, you just, you know, and that's, that's it, you know, and you go for it. Um, yeah. I think in a way, I mean, I was already 18 when I played paintball for the first time. So I was already out of high sure. school. So it was, you know, that would be harder for, a, you know, it, it high school sports are extremely competitive, you know, mm-hmm. you take your time, they're going to want your weekends, you know, so it'd be hard to do both. Um, and I think you would have to make that choice if you want to start. I mean, Tyler, you were what, 13? Yeah. Yep. You know, and I mean, you were out there probably every weekend. Oh, yeah. Every opportunity. So, you yeah. know, but not now. I think you see a lot more of that than you did back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when baseball was starting, you know, it was more of an adult's game. Yeah. You know, not necessarily a, teenagers game absolutely yeah we were i mean myself marcello mouse i mean there's a handful of us kenny rosenberg were we were like the first non-adults to step into the to the realm you know yeah and there were few there were few of you now there's yeah you know a lot of kids yeah there is good (laughs) (laughs) you know 
Truly, yeah. It's inspiring to watch, too, um, the way that paintball has developed and especially the way it is right now because it is highly competitive, more competitive than I think it might have ever been in the past with the younger gen is really scratching and clawing to you know, make that leap into the pro sectors and, and take their skills to the next level. And it's really inspiring to see that these days. Yeah, now you you got super little little midgets out there, you know, that are, you know, can aim and shoot and run and shoot and working on the skills. So it'll be exciting to see where, where they are, you know, how many of them, you know, are playing in the pro division or whatever formats being done in 10, 15 years from now. Absolutely. And you guys, you started with the rifled barrel. Um, I kind of want to dive into like that, that beginning and and how that came to be that you guys went with the barrel. And then also, you know, coupled with you were working with your mom and dad too, in the beginning, because your mom was an excellent inventor who could give you insights. And then your dad helped you on the back end of making sure that you guys were protected and, and owned everything as well. Yeah, really the the barrel again. That was that was I think all Billy. I think really with that first boss gun mm-hmm. again. That this one all the, making all the parts by hand and assembling them all. Yeah, um, you know he was he realized that was a lot of work. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. that it, it you know he, he liked doing that, but he was he was still trying to improve that accuracy. So he 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 started drilling the barrel and you know. Uh, just build it. We, it, our old factory was only like 5,500 square feet. And we had this can at the end of the building and he would sit there and just shoot it, you know, all day. He had, you know, he is, he just shot all day long, trying, experimenting. And, and, you know, that drilling of the barrel made a huge difference um, that we felt at the day, you know, for accuracy. Um, There weren't, there weren't aftermarket barrels. It was pretty much what came on the gun. And, um, or there were some, there were some, but they were, you know, I think Bud or maybe made some aftermarket barrels, but they weren't ported. Um, mm. you know, so that was something that we felt, uh, made a difference, gave us a better shot and better accuracy. And, and, uh, again, when we started playing them, people saw them, uh, at the events, we ran some ads and, you know, the phone started ringing and then we were making a lot of barrels. So, um, you know, my parents were kind of retired at the time. They, uh, they, when they sold their company, they're probably, you know, around my age now, I think in their, their fifties or so. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, they're kind of bored and, you know, they wanted to help Billy get started at first. And then I joined them, you know, a year and a half later or so. Um, so, you know, my mom helped do a lot of the payables and bills and my dad would help, you know, obviously with patent stuff when it got to that, but, you know, he'd answer the phone and take calls and do stupid deals that were way better than he probably should have, but he liked talking (laughs) to people. Everyone loved my dad. He was great. And, uh, Uh, you know, so, um, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, we built it from, you know, I think he might've sold like 60,000 bucks the first year, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and build it from there. So. Wow. You know, eventually I think we hit like 35 million at smart parts in one year, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so, it's one of the, it's one of the biggest paintball companies that there's ever been hands down. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely bigger. I mean, the paint companies were, were definitely bigger in volume, but you know, yeah. it was, you know, and we brought out the ion, which was like the, you know, kind of a game changer. Cause 
there were high end guns. There was a big gap in the industry. There was high end guns that, you know, cost a thousand bucks and there were low end guns that nobody could really compete with against the high end guns. And Mm -hmm. the ion was that sweet spot for 300 bucks electronic. And I think we sold a hundred thousand of them in, in a year, which is really quick. Actually, um, that leads perfectly into, we have an iconic question from our boy Quinn Nadu. This is like perfect for that. Uh, his question is the ion revolutionized the paintball industry as the first true affordable marker with tournament level performance at the peak of smart parts. You were manufacturing and selling more than 20,000 ions a month. Not sure if that's an accurate number. Not sure how we how we got that information. But uh, what was it like knowing that your creation was getting so many new players into the sport of paintball? You know, that was it. it was I actually I do have I I, I actually have a question for Quinn as well at some point here. Okay. Like, he left me off his top fifty of all time. <laughs> and, Dude, he left Dalton off too. Dalton was pissed about it yesterday. We were talking, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure his criteria was longevity world championships, importance on your roster, contribute contribution to the sport. And I can understand, you know, if you're going just on one thing or the other, but when you combine all those together, I just, uh, I just don't yeah. get it, you know, but we're looking but at I, them right here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't hold a grudge much, but um, yeah, no, the, it was, it was really, it's, you know, the ion, was an awesome success and it was great to see that. But at the same time, it was also right around the time where, you know, a couple years later, I mean, smart parts was gone. Yeah. So as you know, with success like that comes a whole bunch of pressure to Mm. go to make it and to fill the demand. I mean, it was insane. I mean, we'd ship, we'd build like 2000, I had dealers, begging me to send their employees to Betrobe, fly them here to sit there in my factory and assemble ions, Jeez. pay me full price and send them back. You know, I mean, think about yeah. that craziness, you know, imagine, you know, dealers from all over the country sending their whole staff there to build guns and pay full boat for it. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. And, um, but to build up to those types of numbers, you have to invest in a lot of plant and machinery and people and there's cash flow issue. There's a whole business side of it um, that creates, you know, complications. And, um, you know, the timing, we invested a lot in American made. And I mean, this building here was, you know, for those who've been here, I mean, we had, you know, a hundred plus machine tools, high end Swiss and, and Mazaks and when the first hydromats ever, you know, outside the automated automotive industry, it was like four and a half million bucks. And we invested tremendously to, you know, continue this process. And then paintball took a put took a little bit of a nosedive and sales went down in two thousand eight, nine. Yeah, the and economy. Then, yeah. And then then there was the TARP bank bailout and um, you know, that's a whole different story, but, you know, I mean, it, it pretty much, uh, you know, well, I'll go into the story a little bit, but, um, you know, we had to do that type of stuff. You have to get loans, uh, to buy the machinery. And we built the, we bought the all American paintball part and built that facility and, uh, our bank, um, 
you know, you, you, we never missed a payment. We're never out of covenant, but you don't count on something like a tarp bailout. I don't know if you guys know what that was. Do you guys yeah. know 2009? I mean, there, mm-hmm. there was, there were a bunch of the, the mortgages and there was worried that the banks might fail. So the government stepped in to help the banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if government, you know, this is an example of government making horrible decisions and politicians making horrible decisions, but they gave the bank the power to decide who they kept and who they didn't want to keep. And the idea, the thought was, we'll, we'll get, we'll help you bail out of your trouble loans, make your banks, your books healthy. And, and, you know, it'll work out for everybody, but that gave the bank the power to decide. And they decided they wasn't just smart parts. They did it to probably thousands of companies and all the banks did it yeah. where they said, we, we don't want to be in the paintball. We don't want to finance paintball companies. So they gave, they gave us 30 days notice and, you know, our, we, oh our loans come up for renewal and they're like, you got to pay us 13 million bucks in 30 days, right? You know, how is that's not possible? We'll just mm-hmm. go refinance with another bank, refinance with another bank. Well, all the banks were doing this and mm-hmm. they say, you don't take ours out. We won't take yours out. So they, you know, pretty much put us into a bankruptcy. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the stupid thing about it is if the government had gone to the businesses and all the manufacturers and all the, there again, there are thousands of them and said, We'll give the money to the business with the stipulation that you pay off your bank debt. The money would be exactly where it was, which is in the banks, you know, with the bank. But then you'd have all these companies that were healthy because they got rid of all their debt and you'd have all these American jobs. We lost 250 manufacturing jobs Hmm. for really no reason because of the, the way the government did that. And, you know, you didn't think when you borrow this money, well, as long as we're making payments, they won't do that to us, but you know, bankers and crazy, you know, and, and they didn't have us personally and we started over and that was really hard, but you know, it, you learn these lessons. I mean, it's, you have your business for 20 years, you build it up, you reach these amazing goals and then boom, you're right back to zero. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what we did in 2009, 2010. And you know, that's uh, how Philly kind of became heat and, you know, we, we started over and, and, uh, you know, we've, we built it back up and I probably would, wouldn't do it differently. I would definitely would do certain things differently, but you know, it was, it's just part of experience and part of life. And that's one of the ups and downs and, and, uh, you know, yeah. we've all gone through it one way or the other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so. yeah, you, you thrived in the tough times and you made, you know, you made decisions, you made moves that you knew were going to position you well for the future. And, that was a crazy transition period. And, you know, to be sitting where DLX is at this moment through all of that is really, a, uh, you know, a huge uh, badge of honor on, on what you guys have been able to accomplish. You know, we're proud of it. I mean, and again, a lot of it comes down to our, our people as well. I mean, we had some really great guys and people who stuck with us, even though we were starting over. And, mm-hmm. um, really with very little. And, um, you know, some of those guys are, a lot of them are still here. You know, they were there in smart parts early on and, and there's, they went, 
down with us and some of them got other jobs and as soon as we could bring them back they they came back uh, you know and and help build it back up and uh you know i think you're you're only as strong as the people you have with you and and we have a great team here that's helped us you know do this it's not just me or my brother doing it it's you know it's the whole team and and uh you know and that's that's i think what again makes some of what of who we are because you know we care and we love what we do and, and we surround ourselves with people that are like-minded and want to make stuff as, as well as they can and want to compete and, and win and, and have fun with the business side. And, and at the same time, they're, you know, we're friends on the other side. So. How do you feel about, about, uh, not just Lux, but paintball guns in general with their technology and in the current state of the technology, you know, kind of like 10 years ago, people were saying, you know, this is about as far as a paintball gun can go. How much improvement do you think that, that there is still to be had on these, these paintball guns? I mean, there's, there's still improvement. Um, you know, we constantly strive. It's hard to, to do this. And that's why there aren't a lot of companies left doing it you know i mean it in reality it's it's not easy to make a paintball gun and especially with all the other you know you add in supply chain issues and labor yeah, issues mm-hmm. manufacturing and and just you know there is a, a fairly high barrier to entry to try to you know do all this you have to think of things like technical support and service i mean you can make a gun and sell it but if you're not at the event to fix it when little jimmy's o-ring blows or a bolt breaks or something happens, you know, they're going to be like, you guys suck, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so there, I mean, it's so much more than just having a gun that shoots a ball out the end of the barrel. I mean, it's got to perform and you got to be there to support it and mm-hmm. go to the events and have people shoot it and, um, you know, have, have a dealer base who can sell it too. You know, I mean, we're not, you know, certainly internet's a big deal, but, you know, the best salesperson is the guy who walks in and wants to play paintball and the guy behind the counter saying, you know, well, what do you recommend? You know, and when his gun breaks, he wants to take it back to him. So you want to have, you know, dealers who support your product and know how to play with it. And players who are at the local field, if, you know, somebody's gunned down, maybe they can walk over and, hey, can you get my gun going? And and all that type of stuff. So, that you know, it's a lot more to it than just, you know, making mm-hmm. it and selling it and then you don't see it anymore. That isn't, mm-hmm. you know, that's half of course, the battle of course. At, at best. And, uh, you know, so, um, but I think there's always room for, for improvement in technology. I mean, people keep coming up with, with great ideas. I mean, the, you know, the Mac, if you think of it, it's kind of gone in reverse in a, in a way. I mean, certainly the electronic had its positives and negatives. I mean, you know, as much as I think electronics was great for the game in a way and airball was great for the game, you know, you combine X-ball, airball and electronic guns and it almost killed paintball in a way because it, everyone embraced it so much that we lost, you know, a whole generation of young kids and all the old guys who had the money to spend, you know, Mm -hmm. and now we've gotten smarter and people like Tim, brought back, you know, made it fun for everybody. And there's a whole, you know, you can play paintball 10 different ways and probably have fun at all at nine of them anyway. (laughs) And, you know, so now it's swinging back where we want the guns to both work 
electronic, but we also want to be able to go play this mech tournament the next day. And Mm -hmm. I mean, God, if I had, if I had my shocker amp or my Lux mech back when I was playing Daryl and the Ironman back in 91, (laughs) we would have shot the crap out of them. (laughs) It wouldn't even have been a chance, you know, but if, if you think of, you know, how amazing these guns are, I mean, they, they'll shoot, you can shoot those guns nonstop, you know, at high rates of fire without breaking a ball. And that Mm -hmm. was not the case, you know, several years ago, even, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there, there will, I believe, you know, whenever you start thinking you've done as good as you can do, it's probably your company's probably on the edge of dying. Um, You gotta, you gotta keep innovating. Same with the team. If you guys, you know, you win two cups and everyone gets happy and complacent and thinks, I don't need to practice because we're the best team in the world. You know, nobody can Mm -hmm. touch us. You know, you'll start to get lazy and do the things that you shouldn't be doing and not practicing and not walking. And then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden you lose and then people get mad and, or some people quit and other teams, you know, steal a player. And now you're like, you got to start all over. It's the same thing with, (laughs) with anything in life. And, it's just yep. the way it is. And, you know, so as long as you're hungry enough and want to keep keep working at it, and again, it's not easy, but, yeah. you know, you'll do fine. And uh, there's good paintball guns out there. there other people make good guns. That we want to just try to make them better. So yeah. there's always somebody that wants to wants to take it from you. You know, yeah. if you've got it, if you, if you hold that spot, there's always somebody that wants to take it from you. And so, you know, typically the people that want to take it from you are willing to work a little bit harder because they, they haven't quite tasted it yet. You know, so to, to what you're saying, you're right. Like when, when you're in that position, it's so important to keep innovating, keep working, keep motivated, you know, uh, all those things. It's crucial in, in whatever it is you do in life, you know, anything, it does, it could be, mm-hmm. it could be any, anything you do. It doesn't matter if you, when you get complacent and, and, quit doing the things that got you there, you know, someone's going to flick you to the side and, and mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have to, you know, find a way to, you know, start over and, and get hungry or, you know, go home and take your ball with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Of, of all the inventions and patents that you guys have come up with, what is one of your favorite ones? What's, what's one of the cream of the crop that you're really super proud of? I mean, really, I think I'd say the electronic gun just because of its impact. Um, yeah. You know, that the chain, I mean, the barrel, the freak, the uh, freak barrel again, that's yeah. the freak barrel was, was again, all my brother. Um, but I mean, that's had a huge impact as well. I mean, that we're mm-hmm. still selling those and, you know, it's like 20 years later or something. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy success with that. But I would say um, the electronic gun is one that just changed you know, it's very rare. You can see a point in time where the whole world changes, you know, Mm -hmm. and I remember being in Chicago, like, you know, even with like the turbo and stuff like that. And just, you just see people like their minds blown of like, Whoa, you know, Holy cow. And you know, that you think of, you know, a very short period of time of going from an industry dominated by two guns and two styles. And within a couple of years, they're just gone. You know, and now there's a WDP and there's us and then there's, you know, Planet comes into the picture and and then there's a whole bunch of them. And, you know, and it just, you know, it just changes everything, you know, and I, I mean, X-Ball in a way kind of did that, you know, there's first air, you know, air ball. 
actually, that was another one of the things we did first was kind of the, I won't say speedball because we didn't do that, but with the Pittsburgh event, you know, the, the tournaments were getting big, bigger and we created the first kind of concept field was the mounds field. You oh, know, no way. We, you know, we were looking and we we're like, we don't have enough woods. We have so many teams. How can we do this? And again, this is another one of Billy's nutty ideas. And he draws <laughs> out this stuff and Franco de Blasio gets his bulldozer and starts pushing dirt around. And now we have a mounds field. And then, you know, WDP followed that up with Hyperball. You know, they yeah. created Hyperball, which was another form of concept field. And then JJ did, you know, Super, which Airball. You know, so these are the types of things that that change stuff. And, you know, paintball went from all woods to all airball, you know, in a period of a pretty short period of time. Quick. You know, and yeah. I'm not saying that was the best thing. And then it went to X-ball, which changed things again. And now you got a mix of all of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know. From what kinda, I hear, you even had a 10-man airball field in the backyard um, of my that. mom's house? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, we had yeah we we had a we Ryan Moorhead he was he was like yeah. your age he started playing <laughs> with us and you know we'd set it up that was back when the fans were like in every bunk or you had these fans in the corner that's right mm -hmm. all those we're all attached it was, it was awful because <laughs> the fan would go down and like practice is over it's you know <laughs> yeah. you got extension cords running a couple hundred yards but yeah we would uh, we would set up our airball field and in, in my mom's yard and. Yep. You know, teams, there'd be three, four teams there, and we'd just beat each other up all weekend and, you know, shoot a gazillion <laughs> rounds of paint. That was fun. So That's so yeah, awesome. I saw people come up. I remember playing in your parents' backyard. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of <laughs> neat. That's awesome. And um, the also one of the really big things that you and your brother brought to the paintball landscape for the markers is the Q-Lock. And that's something that's used on virtually just about every single paintball marker out there is that mechanism that holds the loader on top of the gun there. There was a, a, a guy in Florida, I think, did a twister one yeah. first. And we, we did a lot with him. And I think we may have you know, bought his inventory up or did something, but then redesigned it to the Q-Lock, which was pretty good. But, mm -hmm. but um, you know, that would... Yeah, every gun has one now. So that was, you know, that was it. I, I think actually one of the first things we did with New Ventures was a, um, a the regulator. Um, you know, we still have some of those here, but that was early. The first product we did with New Ventures was a a, a better regulator, compressed air uh, regulator. Interesting. So, um, and what what yeah, did you guys develop? On that and that particular item, what were you guys working on in the early years there? Well, that was again, New Ventures came to us, and um, you know, with with the idea of uh, you know, we used to have Rod Perry. I don't know if you remember Rod, but he was an engineer, and and, uh, and he kind of worked with them to develop our, the first you know Max Flow system, as we called it. Um, and uh, so that was a big innovation. We didn't want to share with them the electronic paintball gun idea until we could see what they did on the regulator. Yeah. They did a real good job with that. So then we, you know, we got them involved on in the, the gun, which didn't fully work out. But yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the downsides. They were a bunch of, they came from aerospace and, and they're used to government budgets and, and money. And they, they, uh, that's, I guess, two lessons is one, don't make a thousand of something before you have one that works, right? Yep. Yep. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now you spend all your money and, and you're kind of screwed. <laughs> and that was kind of what happened to ventures. Um, you know, they, they let the cart get before the horse and, and, mm. and it, it led to, to bad things. And the other is don't share your idea before you're ready to, you know, really run with it. And uh, yeah. that's kind of the back to the WDP scenario. We had this awesome idea and if we had just shut up and mm. gotten it fully ready and went to market, you know, WP probably would have launched their, you know, mechanical version of the gun and there wouldn't even, and it would have been the angel. And then we really could have, you know, dominated it without competition for a while. But instead we opened our mouths and, and let someone run away with our idea and almost beat them, beat us with it. So what was this and, and Adam, you know, don't feel any pressure to, uh, to, to answer, but I remember, I think it was like 2004, five something there was a big uh like class action lawsuit that smart parts filed against some of the other companies was it in reference to that yeah it wasn't really a class action lawsuit i mean we we originally tried to license uh stuff i mean you know it's funny because we got persecuted for you know Mm -hmm. trying to defend our own product which we invented Mm -hmm. and um you know again that was some of wdp's ability to you know, get viral social media, even though it wasn't necessarily internet at the time, but really get, you know, they, uh, they made us the bad guys in a lot of ways, but there were a bunch of lawsuits, um, you know, some of which, you know, WP sued us, mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, die sued us. Um, you know, there were some companies that did licensing early on planet was one of the first to just, they just said, we won't want any part of it we'll do a license. And I think, uh, Gino, um, you know, uh, did a license at the time, but some others fought. What was the, the technology? If you know, if electronic you gun, okay. electronic gun. Okay. and, um, yeah. you know, and again, um, you know, part of the issue is WDP was so successful with the angel. They built up a huge amount of money to fight us. And, sure. and again, they were not quitters. Um, and I think at the end of the day, we all probably would have been better off resolving it a different way. I mean, eventually it put them out of business, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it certainly didn't help smart parts. Uh, you know, we went, totally. you know, between that and spending all our money on, you know, getting it on TV and having the majority of the industry not provide a penny for that. We can talk mm. about that next, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely want to dive into that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and die, you know, at first they did a license, but when they saw we were weakened down by, by WDP, they jumped in and, you know, threw a, another BS lawsuit on top of it, uh, basically said, yeah, we signed our license deal, but we're not doing that anymore. And then turned around and sued us back. So I think at one point we had, five or six federal cases going on, which adds mm-hmm. up to a whole bunch of money really fast. Mm-hmm. And so, 
so Adam, so all the all the companies making electronic guns now have to license that technology from you guys? No, all those patents have run out. Okay. No. But still, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't know that. And Look, if you invent something, if you're the creator, that's yours, you know, and, and that's how that's how th- things work. So you, you, uh, I understand would, that, you know, that's the, that's one of the difficulties with with patents and and our courts and how things work. And unfortunately, you know, yes, I agree with you, but sometimes the only one who wins out of that are the lawyers. And mm, sure. Um, yeah. You know, if if the two sides, I mean, WP hated us and we hated them. You know, that's you're, mm-hmm. that's just the way of the world. And there was not as even though we met several times to try to resolve it, it was never going to get resolved that mm-hmm. way. And, um, you know, again, I think if you gave us the chance to go back, we'd probably resolve it in about 15 minutes now. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that wasn't, you know, how mm-hmm. it was going to go. But, you know, they there were lots of. You know, I mean, people say we sued air gun designs. We never sued air gun designs. You know, there were people who were heading into our market. We sent them letters and some of them just quit and some of them licensed and others fought. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's the business side of it. And, uh, you know, you want to protect your stuff, but you got to be big enough to defend it. And we were at the time, but I'm not sure that uh, it did us any good. So. Sometimes that stuff is, isn't good for anyone involved, you know, uh, yeah. it's better, better to, to work, work together. But, um, yeah, absolutely want to dive into the ESPN smart parts world championship too. Cause that was such an amazing thing you guys did for paintball. So I'm very curious. It's actually from our discord. One of our, uh, uh, goat members, Welshie was wondering the same thing. Um, whose idea was it for the ESPN smart parts world championship and, and how did that come to be? Were you part of those conversations? Yeah, actually. I mean, you know, remember that started with the whole NXL goal of trying to get it on television. And, and yeah. um, that was first done with Dick Clark, I think 2004, mm-hmm. you know, he got us on ESPN, um, you know, filmed the finals game. I think it was us and what's strange, but I actually walked into Dick Clark's office and pitched him on that. No way. Um, no way. Yeah. So I went with Bo Carson. Billy was supposed to be there, but I think he had a little bit too much the night before. <laughs> not up that day that we drove by, and I just walked in. Billy, your your brother? Yeah, he was there with <laughs> us. I mean, he was heavily involved in it. But that actual day, I walked into Dick Clark's, and he sat down with me, and I pitched him on the idea, and he said, "Let's do it." So, you know, That's that great. was that was pretty cool. And, um, you know, I think. The, let me just say that the camera work that they can do now at an NXL event with the technology that's changed since in that is amazing. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a lot harder back then and a lot mm-hmm. more expensive in a way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not in a way it was, I mean, you're talking about production crews and super high end, all that type of stuff. And you got to do it, you know, edit it for six months to get it, you know, I mean, it's, pretty you can watch that game now and i think the quality live is better than than what was done back then they, but, they are doing a tremendous job with the production that we have going on i still geek out on it i'm like i can't believe i can watch paintball from my phone you know like that yeah, i never yeah i'll sit there and watch philly if i'm not you know or houston heat and or yeah. all our teams and and just you know from your couch it's pretty cool so it's amazing but, um you know we did that and then the idea was it was fairly successful 
they wanted, we wanted to do another one and Dick Clark had a stroke and that kind of, you know, what put, it takes a long time to get these things in progress. And, you know, so the idea is we'd still do it again with the, you know, the, the two years later with that Mohegan Sun one, but Mm -hmm. that was supposed to be a lot of industry support, but that was also right in the middle of these lawsuits. So, you know, we had to make a determination at that point in time. Do we, you know, do we go ahead and do this or, you know, and the thought was we would have industry support. We'd have other companies buying ad time to help pay for this. But at the last kind of moment when the deal's ready, they all basically said, screw you guys, you know, and we could either walk away from, you know, what seemed like a decade of goal of trying to get television and paintball going, or we foot the bill for it, you know? And I think GI was Richmond paid for an ad and, but I think he's one of the only ones who did, you know? So we spent a couple million bucks on that and pretty much, you know, had our competitors fight us, you know, Mm -hmm. they didn't want to see it successful because if it was successful, then it was smart parts and they didn't want, they would rather see it fail than see smart parts have success. You know, which is a damn shame. It is a shame. Yeah, absolutely. um, You know, so really we helped the the Genos and the Tippmans of the world because the people watching it were, you know, the young kids are the one that get get involved. They aren't going to go out and buy a thousand dollar gun brand out of the box. It's really helping grow. You know, there are kids playing today. I think in the NXL saw that event and said, that's what I want to do. You know, so it's had its impact. There's still players oh, yeah. that, you know, that's was their beginning exposure to paintball. And they said, that's, you know, that's awesome. Um, but it was kind of that whole timing of lawsuits, Hollywood, decline in industry, and then TARP. And, you know, so, yeah. you know, that was kind of part of the piling on of the end of Smart Parts. But, um, you know, it was still pretty cool. I went to, I absolutely. Went to New York City with Jerry Braun for, I think, eight weeks straight and edited every single one of those games. And, you know, you sit there and you see someone shoot and you got to look through all the different cameras to find, you know, did they hit the guy and then switch over that to show him walking to try to show the story, which was hard to do, um, you know, back then. But I I sat there in New York City and walked by the, uh, I think it was the, uh, I don't know, one of the main buildings there every day. And, you know, we edited those and put it together and it, it was pretty cool. I mean, was it perfect? No, but for the time it was, I thought a pretty good job. And, uh, you know, and then NPPL started doing some filming and, of stuff and, and uh, it kind of went away. And, um, but, you know, what they're doing now is awesome. And I think that opens the door for the potential to, make paintball appealing to an audience because you know you can watch it it's pretty entertaining the maddie marshall and the announcers are really good they have replays and Mm -hmm. slow motion stuff i mean you know we couldn't do that crap and certainly didn't (laughs) you know so no what you guys did at that time was tremendous and it absolutely had an impact i mean whenever you have paintball 
on ESPN that's going to have a big impact, period. Yeah. I remember that stupid Mohegan Sun. Thank God their seats were orange because I'd, we'd film shooting for the day and I'd spend like two hours walking through 10,000 seats and trying to pick up all the broken paintballs that bounced off the bunkers and covered their, you know, beautiful indoor arena. Yeah. So, what yeah. was it like uh, seeing paintball in that arena, you know, during that time? It must have just been like, man, we're, we're heading somewhere. We're doing good. It sucked because I wanted to mm. play. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother's doing the announcing and I'm like cleanup guy. It was terrible. <laughs> but no, it, it was awesome. It was fun. It was, it was cool. I think Philly yeah. got spooked. It was, uh, you know, I don't know. Was it? Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, we had a horrible event, but but mm-hmm. it was uh, it was it was really neat to see. So absolutely, yeah. Well, Wasn't shoot. fun to get the bill, but it was really fun to see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, geez, for sure. Adam, what do you think we need to do uh, to get paintball? If we, if we even need it back on ESPN or anything like that, you know, I think we can do really powerful stuff with the webcast. But since you did play such a big role in that, um, and uh, I absolutely believe it made a huge splash. There's so many people that I talk to about paintball that don't play. You know, if I'm traveling somewhere and, and we get in discussions of why I'm going to, you know, Italy or wh- whatever it is, and I tell them paintball, I say, oh, I saw it on ESPN back in, you know, 2004 or five, right? So it definitely has made its splash. But what do you think uh, we as an industry can do to 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 get our sport, you know, in, in, uh, in those I, networks? I don't know that the networks are necessarily the answer. I mean, maybe they are, but I don't know if kids, I don't know that kids these days are watching networks, you know? Uh, I think they're watching Mm. playing Xbox and, and doing a lot of other type of gaming. I mean, you know, they all do have iPhones and Apple TV and there's a whole bunch of, you know, I mean, that whole industry's changing too. So, you know, there, there's probably an opportunity out there for someone who's, visionary enough to go and has the the money to recognize i mean some of the sports they put on there i mean i think paintball is way more exciting and now you can show it and explain it and i think you know people can see what's going on better than they ever could before so i think the opportunity is probably there and you don't need the giant budgets that were needed you know 20 years ago and and all the production and all that. I mean, we don't have that with the NXL now. I mean, they couldn't afford to spend the type of money we did for, you know, just for a couple shows. I mean, they're doing right. a live whole weekend regardless of weather. And, you know, so it, I think the, probably the opportunity is there. It's just finding the right group and the right people to put that together. And, you know, uh, I'm going to let that for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right fair enough no you're right that the paradigm has shifted on on the major networks and you're you're absolutely right it's a lot of it's shifted just towards the internet and there's so many different ways that you can you know get there's your so much streaming with netflix and apple yeah. tv and mm-hmm. all these platforms that are mm-hmm. fighting for content and wanting to create it and there's pretty awesome content i mean there's awesome there's yeah. amazing games out there i'd love to see the uh full replay of that that heat uh you know thing at the world cup this year because i watched it live and i thought for sure you had the paint the point and then i went to 
we played in the seven man uh, mounds and we came off like, why isn't the score updated? What, mm-hmm. it, it should, what, what happened in overtime? And, and then we're like, that mm-hmm. sucks. So, yeah, I you know, know. I lived it. Drama <laughs> you want to see, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's, that's good television. I don't care what you're watching. That's pretty cool. You know, it's whether it be a football game or, you know, even as boring as baseball can be, if it's like a ninth inning comeback with a play at the plate, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And paintball has those moments point to point, you know? Yeah. Some stuff might be boring, but there's some, you know, there's some awesome action happening and, and they oh, can yeah. catch, capture it, you know? Yeah. The controversial penalties and all that stuff. And in the pits, you know, everything's there to make it, mm-hmm. you know, to do it. It's just gotta be, you yep. know, the, the right group with the money and the vision and the connections to make it happen. Yeah. Ma- I mean, the magic of paintball is there. There's, there's so much excitement that goes on and we saw it all weekend long at world cup. You know, there's, there's just really exciting situations that the game puts teams and opponents in and it is right there. And I think that we're doing a great job of capturing that and, you know, getting the stories out there and building like these superheroes like we talk about and, and really giving paintball that light that it deserves because, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, but it, it just still doesn't have the respect that I feel it truly deserves because it's such a difficult game. And a lot of people around the world just think it's still, you know, something that people do out in the woods or, or you mm-hmm. know, we just still haven't gotten um, the tournament aspect of it to the masses to where they know that, that it's even out there yet. Yeah, I, I mean, again, the, the product is is really good right now. I think it's a much easier sale than it was back then. And yeah. And again, it's it's probably not an ESPN and I don't think it should be. You know, it's not gonna be live on NBC. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the audience we're probably reaching is doesn't watch those shows anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? You want yeah. the younger generations and the the guys who or played and think it's cool, but you know, mm-hmm. I think that's that's your market, and those are probably a harder market to for advertisers to reach anyway. So, if they have an appeal and they want to watch paintball, then yeah. there should be a lot of money there to make it happen because they you know, they can reach these kids that they can't reach any other way. Yeah, and the the internet is alive with paintball. There's uh, definitely a buzz around it. Um, we've seen with uh, certain individuals who are creating content that you know, we're able to get a lot of people's eyeballs on paintball because it is a really interesting thing. When you see it at the highest level being played and these all-stars are running around playing this game the way it's supposed to be played, it's pretty damn entertaining. Get, get me about 10 million subscribers on Lyritext <laughs> and then I can, I can go do that. All right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Have you downloaded Lyritext yet? No. Mm-mm. Oh, what is actually, that? I've heard about this. Please tell us more. Yeah, it's it's go to the app store and type in Lyritex. It's like Giphy, but with music. Yeah. So you can pretty much say what you want to say via text message, but it's through licensed mu- uh, music from your real song. So, yeah. you know, you pretty much say whatever you want to say, but you send them a song clip from, you know, if you, you want to, your buddy's arguing, you can send, you know, I know that you are wrong, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you know, or like simple plans to shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't want to hear it. You know, those types of things. So, you know, I've been working on that for like six years and it's finally in the app store, but it's, uh, 
it's pretty cool. So and, and please, um, if you could spell it out exactly what they're going to search, that way they can find it. That'd be awesome. L-Y-R-I-T-E-X-T. I actually awesome. did that with my daughter. We came up with the idea driving back from school. Uh, her her friend, we I don't know if you like music, but uh, oh yeah, it was uh, it was Men at Work was uh, you know the song Stay Away, Don't You Invade My Home. Her friend texted her. We had like an hour and a half drive. She's let me know when you're home, and she's like, oh god. And that song was on. I'm like, well, you could just text her that. And she's like, that'd be really cool. And I'm like, well, maybe we could do that. And it was way That's harder. Rad. It uh, music licensing is so much harder than getting paintball on TV, but I finally got it and uh, it's pretty cool. So, you know, I just need a million subscribers. Well, my, uh, my nephew is, my nephew is the bass player in, in a pretty popular band called the neighborhood. And uh, I can't even get one of their songs to use on social media without going to, I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't use this. You made this, you know, he's like, man, if you understood all the paperwork that has to be done to do this, to do that. I'm like, Jesus, never, I'll find another song, man. <laughs> so we're good. Not to sidetrack from paintball too much, but that's really what, what, uh, you know, how this came about. There's a, another company called song clip who's doing music, t- making music licensing affordable for smaller companies. Mm. And, you know, you see these workout videos and they have crappy, generic music and right. you know if you're not peloton or you know someone like that you just can't get music licensing and and that's mm-hmm. one of the the things that's changing just as music has evolved over time you know they used to have what tapes and then cds yeah. and eight tracks and now it's all you know nobody even buys records anymore it's all streaming and stuff like that so i mean paintball goes through the same all the every industry has to adapt and and uh, that's one of the things that is starting to happen. And, you know, they're making licensing available to smaller companies like, like mine for mm-hmm. Lyratech. So your, maybe your nephew's stuff will be, uh, be available at, at, at some point, but you know, it's, yeah, interesting. it's cool. one of those things. So, yeah, it's like a, it's a gift, but it's the music version. So you can send those out. Right. That's really awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty cool. I, 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 I won't bore you, but I'll, I'll, sh- I'll, play like uh oh we love it i'm gonna start using it yeah yeah you got a new subscriber yeah nice so like this would uh, you could send this to everybody before your your match (laughs) (laughs) you know there we go you just search in there what you want to say and it brings up a a short song yeah pretty much anything i weeded out all the really bad stuff but yeah. Speaking of speaking of um, you know sending something before a match, what's your what has been your favorite match to watch? Either uh, the Philly Americans or Houston Heat, because they're kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Play with you not as a player, right? So taking a step back as as someone that oversees the team, the organization. What's been your favorite win of theirs? You know, all the wins are good. You know, you, it's one of those things. You remember the losses more than the wins, as terrible as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, I remember it was two thousand. It was right as Smart Parts was going down, so it was nine or ten, and we. It was back. That was best of three for the NXL, and mm-hmm. we're playing the Ironman. Two thousand eight. I was on that team. Yeah. So we like smoked you in the first game, or anyway, as I remember it. It may not have been. <laughs> But this, the second game, it was tied. 
And I think it was Billy, it, it might have been Billy Wing or Benini, one or the other, was in the penalty box in the overtime point. And all we had to do was not let him out of the box. And I'm sitting there sideline coaching and I'm telling Gant McClellan, I'm like, you know, he's coming out in three, two, and he just made this amazing move and lined up a bunker and came down, shot Gant, shot everybody, and you guys won the point, and then you just killed us in the next one. And I was just like, even yeah. though I wasn't playing, that was just such a devastating loss, given that was like almost the end of Philly and the end of Smart Parts, and we were like – You guys had just point. got Fedorov too that year. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was just, you know, so I remember that. I definitely remember that one. Um, mm. You know, I certainly th- watching he win the Cups, you know, those are, you know, those are awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some exciting and just close games. Yeah. You know, one way or the other, I think they lost. Didn't they lose the Dynasty by a second or something in one of them? Right yeah. at the end. Yep. You know. Half, a, a half a step. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then this year, again, the, just a – a yeah. half a step in that yeah. one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not so, even a half a step. You know, yeah. Fedorov was there. Yeah. On, on buzzer. So, you know, I mean, they're all exciting and good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. To, it's awesome to win it. It really sucks when you lose it. But, <laughs> you know, that's why you're a champion there, Adam. Yeah. That's why. Cause that's, that's the feeling that, you know, real athletes understand. Like winning is like, huh, okay, thank you. You know, it's a little bit of a relief. Losing is personal. You know, it yeah, hurts. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I mean, t- uh, two of the cups we lost. Todd, stupid Todd Adamson made a great move on on me with Shock the one year. I mean, if it weren't for Todd and his ridiculousness at the end of games, I mean, he just knows how to win at times. And, you know, I think he probably gave them two World Cup championships just with single games. Uh-huh. Him and him and Manny. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Manny spinning on me awesome. one year. I remember that one too. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's it's all good. So. Yeah, yeah. The the days awesome. and the years keep rolling on, and we keep playing this amazing game and having fun with paintball. That's the truest. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Adam, we have a couple questions from our Discord. Again, I, I did already, you know, let some of them uh, out, but we're gonna dive back into some of these. So. Um, from Shadow, it seems like manufacturers are running out of new ideas. Do you have a vision of what the guns would be uh, would be like going forward into the future? You know, I mean, obviously, I can't see a crystal <laughs> ball. I know that some of the stuff we're working on is pretty exciting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there anything you can share? Absolutely not. I learned that lesson. <laughs> I was going to say, after the conversation we had, we're not getting anything from this question. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, I mean, I still think there there are areas of improvement, um, you know, in our sport and, and in equipment, and, and certainly guns is is one of them. I mean, um, certainly, I would say guns are as good as they've ever been, but that doesn't mean there's there's not room for improvement in them. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, there's some opportunities probably in loaders. Um, you know, there's been a lot of IP around those as well. So a lot of people have been, you know, scared off to to jump into that that section of, uh-huh. of things and, and probably, you know, making better regulators and more consistent stuff. But, you know, there's certainly opportunities there. 
Um, you know, paint is still extremely important. And um, I think there's probably room. I'm not a paint manufacturer. I don't think I ever want to be, you know, that's a high volume, lots of risk, not a lot of profit until you get rid of everybody else business. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, without a good paintball, paintball kind of isn't that fun. <laughs> You know, so I, I think I, that's why I, I said I think it's extremely important for healthy competition among paint manufacturers to keep each other honest and strive to win and, and you know, push teams to have an edge. Um, so I don't necessarily like the, the idea of, you know, taking that part of it away. Um, so... But I don't have all those answers. I wish I did. But gotcha. you know, we'll keep we'll keep trying to keep making stuff better and and uh, you know go from there. That's kind of what we do. Absolutely, awesome, innovate. Yeah, uh, did it hurt? Kind of to couple with the question here. He's wondering: Is there any new um, Lux developments that we can you know be excited about in the future? Obviously, I know you guys are always working hard at that. Um, maybe a different look or or something of that nature as we move forward. Yeah, the, or a, the, or a woods ball or a woods ball gun. Yeah, he has in there. Yep. Yeah. Well, we we do have the Lux Mech uh, Mech kit out. Um, yeah. We haven't. We still have a lot of people waiting on them, and we're you know we're getting our production up on that. But that's a, kind of a you know one of the big steps for the Lux is for people who want to go play air ball one weekend and go play Mech or woods ball or you know. 10 man the next and do it quickly and easily. You know, nobody wants to take an hour to take their gun apart. You mm-hmm. can switch this thing over in like two minutes. I mean, it's really pretty cool. It is. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's, that sounds easy to do, but it is not easy to do yeah. <laughs> to make the gun work for both like flawlessly and be comfortably and, you know, same look and feel and, you know, whether you're at mech or, or, or uh, electronic to, you know, shoot super high rates of fire without breaking paint. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do, but um, we do think we have some improvements for the Lux and, and uh, you know, usually, um, you know, some of those things take time. One of the things from a, a branding perspective, you know, people do ask about, should we change the look of the Lux and, and stuff? And we kind of do the private labels with that, you know? So if they want a more aggressive cut, I mean, you look at the adrenaline out there, I mean, it's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, it's really cool looking and, yeah. and we'll do that with the various industry, uh, you know, guys who, you know, uh, we've done stuff with HK and we've done mm-hmm. stuff with Virtue and, you know, Back in the day, you know, the highlight of smart parts, the private labels, they were huge. I mean, there were, you know, uh, companies would do that and their teams would use it. And it it really, you know, even though it was all a shocker, there were six or seven different versions of it. And it all helped them build their businesses and support their teams and and grow the sport and make it it cool. And, you know, I kind of it's kind of like changing the look of a Mercedes, you know, mm-hmm. if you go away too far from the look, it's not a Mercedes. You Absolutely. Know I mean? So yep. I Absolutely. like keeping the classic look of the Lux, a Lux. Mm-hmm. And then, 
going into letting, you know, some of our other partners and companies we team up with be more aggressive and, and do different type of cuts and, and shapes and stuff like that. And, you know, but keep the base product what it is. And it's, you know, it's worked for 10 plus years and, um, believe me, it comes up and there are guys who totally disagree with that and think we need to change it. And I just, you know, I don't mind modifications, but I want it to look like a Lux. I want anytime you see it, you know, that's a Lux. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's important. Absolutely. That's my mark. That's my MBA for marketing advice (laughs) myself. Yeah. I can't say I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. You know what a Lux looks like out there. Right. And, and it does have a very clean and classy, uh, presence on the paintball field. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have from, Oh, I just had this question. Where did it go? SoCal blaze, our man, Steve, uh, what can DLX sponsored teams do to better promote the DLX brand? What's missing that teams could, uh, do to help with the ROI? You know, I mean, really, it isn't all about winning. As much as it is about winning, you know, there can only be at the top end. I mean, if I'm only look, if I was looking at solely, I want to have the team that wins, you know, you're looking at a handful of options in the world. But, mm-hmm. you know, you look at geographically, you know, Dynasty or Heat or impact or, you know, whoever might be one of the top teams in the world, but, you know, most of the people never meet those players or see those players or interact with those players, you know, paintball is sort of geographic in a local area. So, you know, if, if you have influence and you're good ambassadors for the sport and, you know, you have a lot of followers who look up, there's always that team who's the best team in whether it be Pittsburgh or, Seattle or somewhere mm-hmm. in Texas or North Carolina, you know, if, if, if we can have a team that represent our rent represents our brand and it isn't all about winning. I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it, Seattle thunder. I love those guys. You know, I'm not sponsoring them because they're going to go win an NXL event. You know, I'd like them to, it'd be awesome. But the reality is that's a real steep curve, but Corey is an ambassador for our sport. He, Mm -hmm. you know, he works his field and he influences people and people look up for him and he, he's a baller, you know, you know, he's a great guy, but I'd rather have that than necessarily the team that wins. If they're just, they don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I'd rather have a Tim Montrosser than, you know, a guy who's just jerk who wins a lot, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's really what we're looking for. If you can build up your team and, and again, things go in cycles. I mean, the dynasty, you know, when those guys started, they were a bunch of kids, you know, and they worked and did their butts off. And then, you know, so who's the next dynasty out there? And, you know, that's going to start with people who are willing to put their time and effort and, and, love it and want to work for it as much as you guys did and as much as we did and as much as the Ironman did and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all that. So, you know, if you're a local team and you want to get started, it doesn't mean you get stuff for free, but we'll try to help out. And we prefer to work with your store owner or your local field um, because that you need a place to play and you need their support. So we prefer you to go through them and, Mm -hmm. and, and we'll help out and, 
as you get more of a presence and show you, you can help build the Lux brand in that area, then, you know, the more we can do, you know, we get, you can't say yes to everybody and it'd probably make bad <laughs> business <Yeah>. decisions. <laughs> it's, you know, you don't want to flood the market with stuff. You, you know, I'd rather have a team earn it and get as they prove that they want to be with Lux. I didn't, you know, I, I don't want to see a team that's just running a company every year and switching, you know, mm -hmm. they want to start with the Lux and build it and do well. And now we're two years in or three years in and they're playing at regional events or they're going to some NXL and winning D4s, then, you know, we're going to want to do more for them. But Absolutely. you got to work at it and earn it and provide, give something back, whether it be to us or to lo local area or build your paintball, build the, yeah. the area up. And then that's where you, you'll get our interest and our help. Um, it's an amazing response. Yeah. Like Tyler said, be a good teammate, be a good, uh, be a good, you know, ambassador of the sport, bring value to, uh, to DLX or to field one or HK or JT, whoever it is that you are looking to get sponsored by bring value. And there's ways you can do that besides, you know, winning and holding the gold, you know, the, the gold medal at the end of the event, you yeah. know, if regardless of whether those teams are Lux or Planet or or Die or whoever, if we have totally. more teams with that mindset and people out there, then our whole sport's going to grow and we'll all be better yes. off. And then we'll have, you know, we'll all have a higher sponsorship budget. You know? Absolutely, yeah. So all, all love for the game. Yeah, amazing. we got to be we got to be the best we can be for this sport. Uh, we got Rounder, who's. Uh, Kind of funny. He says, so you're going to retire after this TM40. I don't think it can get much better. Um, he says it's the, the best marker ever made in his opinion. And he's sticking by that. And he also is wondering, Adam, uh, how can we get his Lux to sound like a lightsaber when he turns it on? He thinks that would be badass. You know, you could probably already do that. It's programmable. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you can, you can do the audio files, uh, you know, um, so that's probably already very possible to do. Um, you know, I feel like I, I've heard of Lux with that, actually. I'm pretty positive I have at one of my clinics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely very doable. Um, I appreciate the the shout out on the TM40. Uh, you know, we're we're always working. I mean, it, it's it's literally a two-year cycle to do new development. And, and uh, one of the things we recently, we did, we, you know, uh, we had struggle getting some of our prototype stuff done as this world economy is affected yeah. manufacturing and stuff and shops get fuller. And, you know, it's always hard to, uh, you know, get your shops to want to make you a part or five parts, and then you want to tweak it and change it. And so over the past year and a half, we've invested in some, some, you know, in-house machines and, and, and staff to, speed up that cycle and process and do a lot better testing. We can make, you know, 10 different bolt tips and see which ones work better and, and try it. Yeah. And that, that, you know, I think will go a long way in, in our development and our ability to, you know, continue to advance stuff. Um, something that we had back in the day and we kind of lost it, you know, for a while and, and, uh, you know, now we're, you know, um, it doesn't mean I want to have a hundred machine tools, <laughs> like yeah. I had before. Um, but at the same time, it allows us to do the type of development um, that we need to do to, you know, uh, keep pushing the envelope. Man, 
you're knocking these questions out of the park, Adam. I'm surprised you don't have any haters out there. Are you screening them all? <laughs> no. <laughs> any haters? What's what's the hate about? No. Oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we... That's you know, they're legit. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, there's there's yeah. still plenty of haters out there. Of, of yeah. course, there always is. But, um, you know, we've actually, we've done a good job building a pretty fantastic community, Adam. Uh, it's all about, you know, just love for paintball, love for the game and trying to do whatever we can to help the sport grow, you know? So, uh, slander and, and stuff like that, we, we've made it pretty clear. It's not going to be tolerated, you know, within our, our discord or, you know, I really on our shows. Kidding, but I, I'm sure. That yeah. No, but you know, of, of course I just, uh, yeah, man. Cause we're, we're all, uh, we need each other. You know, the industry needs each other. You know, we, we don't want to tear each other down. We want to, you know, help so that the entire pie can get bigger. We don't need right. to try to take more of the pie. Let's just make the pie bigger. Um, you know, that's, that's really what it's about, but, uh, okay. My last question is from our man, Kalen. Uh, you are a legend in the paintball industry. See more compliments. From the PTG. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, <laughs> I wondered what advice you would have for someone like me. I'm not a youngster at 41 who wants to transition their career into paintball promotion in a business, uh, with innovative and creative products. Well, I mean, you know, it really depends on where you want to go. I mean, I, I'll really give the props to field owners out there because, you know, paintball is a tough business as a field owner. You've got to, it just as a, as a team, you know, and a player, if you want to be successful, it's got to be your life. I mean, you've got to practice and devote. You're not going to have a weekend. Your girlfriend's probably going to break up with you or your wife's going to want to leave you. You know, that's just how it is. If you want mm -hmm. to do this stuff, unless you get them involved. You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to build paintball in your area and you want to, if you want to have a field or you want to, you know, do something like that, you, you better plan on being there and make, you know, you could do well if you're in the right area and you can promote it and, you know, you have the population, you can do well, but you're not, it's not the type of business where, unless you're super lucky and you're like, have a, you know, you're in. California and you have this piece of land that nobody else can use, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to have to spend your weekends and your time and your money and your effort and work it and take care of the customer. You know, really the customers are your business and that means treating the players fairly and making sure that kids don't get shot up and making sure everybody has fun. If everybody has fun, you're probably doing the right thing to, you know, build your business and be successful at it. And the same thing would go for, a, you know, if you wanted to have a store or whether you wanted to, to build a product, if, you know, it's, yeah, the money side of it is what you eventually want to get to, but you're never going to get there unless you treat the customers right. And, you know, if you sell them a gun, you got to be willing to help them and fix it and take care of it. If something breaks, you got to go to take, training classes, go to planet and learn how to work on their guns and come to our factory and learn how to work on our guns and be able to answer questions. And if you have knowledge and you can instruct and share that knowledge, then people want to come to you and then you can build it up. And that goes for a field owner or a store owner or a player or a team or, you know, any product you want to make, you know, it's the same steps you have to take to be successful. It's just not going to happen because, you know, it, you make it, you know, it, it, you just totally. can't go from one to the other unless you're, you, you know, unless cool. you maybe like 
make a website called Meta and then somebody wants to buy it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, get so crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> Meta. Ay, ay, ay. Lottery ticket. A, That's the guy amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, I mean, you really got to put the time in, like you said, and you got to care about the process and then, then good things will happen. One of the, one of the things I'd like to challenge you guys to do, because mm. it seems like the internet erases the history. Mm. Yes. You know, be, the way the browsers work and the way that things look at it, it's like the, the stories of the past and the accomplishments of the past and the teams of the past. I mean, if you, I'll bring up Quinn. I'm going to pick on him again. But in, in Quinn's world, paintball started with Dynasty. In many ways. <laughs> I thought it did. And if you look at the internet searches and a lot of this stuff, it's probably true. Mm-hmm. But we still need people to tell the stories of, of the Bob Long and the Aftershocks and the Ironman and mm-hmm. the amazing stuff that happened in those days. And even before us, you know, we weren't the first ones. I mean, yeah, you know, there were, there were amazing teams before that. And I don't know how to, you know, certainly John does, does stuff to try to preserve that, but it's going to take more of an effort of, people to preserve those stories and that history because it seems like the search browsers just kind of erase it. It just falls into never, never land. And, you know, unless you look up Warpig that nobody would ever even heard of now today, you know, you, you, you don't, you're not going to see that stuff. And, um, and you we, know, take that, so, we honestly take that very seriously here at PTG. We want to make sure that we, we're fans of paintball from top to bottom, right. from beginning to end. And where we sit right now is only because of that lineage. So we take that very seriously and always are looking to have those historic players that set the tone and set that path before us so that we could be here having this show with you on here right now. Right. And I, I, and I think that's great. And I applaud that. And I, I mean, and you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, um, you know, I could tell my son, you know, all the yeah. stories and I'm not sure he he could go try to Google and say, yeah, whatever. I don't see <laughs> mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it's yeah. amazing. That's like one of the downsides of the internet and the vanishing of the magazines and the paper print and all that stuff. Cause it can just be erased. Um, Absolutely. You know, so. And it's so uh, valuable for, for the lineage of the game and, and how it all started and where we're headed, you know, in order to right. see the future, you got to see the past as well and know all of that. Right. So, yeah. so I'll challenge you to continue that quest. I don't expect yes, sir. anyone yeah. to do that, but anyone listening, you know, the more that we can, you know, let people know that, you know, yeah, paintball was actually played in the woods mm-hmm. before the, the 10 man came back and, <laughs> You know, all that stuff. Because if you didn't know, how would yeah. everything you've ever seen is X-Ball, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's the game has been through the trenches, literally. We've been in the trenches and uh, we yeah. are, you know, making leaps and bounds into the future here. But it definitely did start with those, you know, grassroots heritage right there. And yeah, there was people before me and people will probably come many, many years after me. And, and I, I think it's as an industry, we want to try to preserve that history as much mm-hmm. as we can and, and uh, you know, keep these, these stories out there because it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's pretty, it neat. Is. there's some amazing characters in, in our 
sport. Not all good, not all bad, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it, there, it's kind of, you know, somebody has to preserve that. Yeah. Well, we're on it, brother. And uh, you actually, speaking of legends in the game, Chris Lasoya, I hear there's <laughs> like some history on how you got your headgear from Chris like, Lasoya. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, the beanie. They, yeah, I wear that and I get made fun of it because it always slides up and I have that gap between my my <laughs> up my goggles and my forehead and sometimes I get shot in it. Oh, no. People just shake their head. But, you know, oh. if you guys remember the Chicago uh, – you know, mound hyperball field, the diamond. Yeah. Did you guys ever see that? Or oh yeah, oh yeah, was, absolutely. It was just, it was the lowest thing you could get into third base or home plate and slide out to first or crawl out to first, but you had to take your harness off and right. get so incredibly <laughs> small and push your gun and everything. And I mean, I would have Bob Long and those guys would put four or five guys in the avalanche, you know, just not letting me get out there. Cause if I got out there, I was going to do some damage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chris was always right around there. And one time I crawled out there, you know, I got to my corner, I come up and I shoot him right in the freaking head and it bounces off his beanie. And I get shot and I'm like, son of a bitch. And I took his beanie and I've had it for like 20 years. Gave it to me. He was full of guys. But I showed it to him last year. I, I'm like, I still have this and I still Dude, wear it. You know, so cool. pretty much almost every time I play. And he's like, that's just so cool. Because he remembers, yeah. you know, that exact thing <laughs> happening. And he can't believe that like 20 years later, I still have this stupid beanie. So, there we go. See some legendary awesome. moments like that, preserving the history in big games yep. from 20 years ago, right there. <laughs> yeah. Chris played with the all A's for an event, a world cup. Yeah. So. Man, what a, know what a guy rock star cool. Chris is. Absolutely. Yeah, man. We, we can't thank you enough for, for sharing this uh, space with us, with the PTG nation and coming on here and having some fun talking about paintball. It's getting pretty late no, where you're at. <laughs> You're on the East yeah, Coast there. Yeah, 1042. It's good. I'm yeah. good. But yeah, no, I appreciate your uh, being interested and having me on. It's uh, yeah. it's always good to, you know, share some of the stories and some of the the history of, uh, you know, past, present, and hopefully future. And and uh, exciting to see what you guys do, you know, uh, as well. Uh, you guys are playing some amazing paintball out there, and you know, at least. Tyler's now on the, he's come to the, the good side of things. And oh, that's the dark side. There. Uh-uh, <laughs> yep. You guys keep those red lightsabers in those lexes. I think dark blue is darker <laughs> than red, white, and blue, but, but yeah. uh, you know. Hey, so we're light, it, we're light blue. Light yeah, blue. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's, it's great uh, seeing what you guys are doing and, and watching. It. It's still fun, you know. I, I, it is, man. You know, I, I get just as well, I won't say just as much, but almost as much fun and excitement watching the games and cheering for the team and knowing, mm-hmm. you know, being able to relive the, that through you guys and seeing what you do and seeing some of the amazing moves and being like, holy shit, that was really <laughs> smart. You yeah. know, guys will shoot a bunker and then back up and then the guy will come and do them. And you're like, yeah, that yeah. was really good. Um, Got him. <laughs> stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to watch still today. And I applaud yeah. you for that. So keep it up. Thanks, Adam. Last question. Yep. Adam, as a, as a triple, double, triple OG, who do you think would win the 
dynasty of today or the dynasty of 2005, or we can go with, let's, let's just go eras. Take, take Houston heat today versus like the best all A's team that they had. Well, there's two questions. I'll answer dynasty of today versus dynasty of 2005. I want to say dynasty of today. Absolutely. Hands down. No doubt. Yeah. And, 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 and this is not a, a, a diss on dynasty, but it, it, of course, you know, Dynasty's done amazing things, but I think it's far more impressive what you're doing today with still having a bunch of the guys who were there back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's more impressive than Dynasty of the day because, you know, you know, you're older. Some of them are older, but they're smarter, they're experienced, and they're still able to do it just as well now as they did it then. I will say that... You know, everyone talks about dynasties. You know, I, I think people forget that dynasty played a number of years and they were still good. Don't get me wrong here. But, you know, they played at a level where they were not playing the top competition in all the events. Mm -hmm. And that was a mm -hmm. function of the NXL and what happened. You know, it was cl closed and they weren't able to. 100%. Had Dynasty when they finally came, which I believe was 2006, just jumped in and dominated X-Ball, then I, I think my argument would be, you know, wrong. But they got their butt handed to them when they first started playing X-Ball. I know Philly played them and won in that Texas event. Dynasty just got creamed. It took them a good year. I don't know exactly when they won their first event, but it was a long time. So, mm -hmm. you know... They had lost Oliver too, which was a huge hit. That is, that is that is true. There's no doubt. But it wasn't like they dominated here and they dominated here and then they just dominated X-Ball. Mm -hmm. They had to mm -hmm. learn it mm -hmm. like everybody else did. And they got really good at it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when you read about it, it's like, well, Dynasty is just the best team ever. And they first game they ever played, they won. And they've been winning since and everybody else sucks. And that's it, not, minus the, <laughs> it, you know, it would feel that way if you came in at a certain point in time and that's all you saw. But mm -hmm. I guess my question, I'm way more impressed with what Ryan and Alex and even all the guys, I mean, even the ICC, even some of the old school guys that aren't necessarily playing X-Ball anymore, mm -hmm. those guys can still play. And oh yeah, you know, it's been years later. And that to me, I feel is, I think Dynasty today would probably be Dynasty of the past because they'd probably outsmart them. Yeah, totally. It's so um, cool. As far as, the, <laughs> as far as the All A's versus Philly, it depends on where we're playing. If they're playing, if we're playing X ball, they probably kick the crap out of us. <laughs> if we're in the woods, we would absolutely school them. <laughs> yeah, woods ball yeah. is no joke. Yeah, I got to see that. Yeah, yeah. woods yeah. ball is no joke. That's a whole nother beast. <laughs> the first time that I think, I mean, Ryan at least had played some of it, but Chad and some of those guys, they had never, I don't think Fedorov's ever played in the woods. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, Smotrov played with us at ICC, and I don't think he had ever played in the woods. Mm -hmm. he, no, but he actually played really well, though. He did at times. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, but it, it's just a whole different game. You know, it what I mean? it's, it's a different skill set, and yeah. mm -hmm. you know, just that whole big looking into those woods and trying to figure out what the heck to do. You know, I, always mm -hmm. when we had our best teams, if we played Philly, I have no doubt 
we would beat them in in the woods and i have no doubt they would just kick the crap out of us on x ball <laughs> payball is the best diving left-handed shooting like that yeah. <laughs> yeah it is so cool to see you know all of the uh the forefathers that that gave us all these opportunities to be playing again and having so much fun and just really enjoying the game of paintball. And once again, Adam, we salute you and everything you've done in paintball. Thank you so much for your contributions uh, and, and for being here and sharing this time. We hope that uh, you, Jude, the family, have a great holidays. Everybody stay safe. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon in 2022 for some more fun on the paintball fields. Sounds great, guys. I appreciate it. Keep it up and, uh, and good luck out there. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, baby, let's go. (laughs) All righty, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. Peace. Peace, bud. All right. That was a fantastic episode with Adam. Really cool to get um, his story and understand a little bit about the East Coast and and that whole organization, the Philly Americans. My goodness, they're just iconic. The All-Americans, just iconic. Lux is such an iconic brand. So uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us. We hope you guys learned a lot. I know I learned some some pretty cool, interesting things on that episode and uh, hope to have Adam on again one day. If you guys would like, you could head over to ptgpaintball.com, click the Patreon link, become a supporter of the show. We would greatly appreciate it. And it'll also give you access to the Discord. The Discord is absolutely lit. If you guys have not uh, heard about it or don't know what it is, you guys need to check it out. All right, PTG fam. Hope everybody has the happiest of holidays and you guys stay safe out there. As always, we will see you very soon in 2022.